to be continued, a fanboy podcast. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch us on the various platforms such as iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and to be continued, a fanboypodcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. To be continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. Arrakis is the place that's doomed A hundred thousand more to fight the Harkonnens I bless the rain down in Arrakis I bless the rain I bless the rain down in Arrakis I bless the rain if that was if that was meant to make me just lose my shit, okay. <laughs> this was to be continued a fanboy podcast, covering your covering your fanboy passions. Where yes. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around, yes, you just might have some fun. We're going to have some fun today. Sure. Uh, if you clicked on this, you know that t- the subject of today's episode is going to be a compare and contrast of yes. uh, a massive science fiction and fanboy uh, focus of just... <laughs> uh, and if you're wondering why we're, there seems to be a lot of touchstones yes. to the uh, 1984 Lynch version of Dune, we're going to be doing a compare and contrast of... David Lynch's version with, uh, yes. what is the proper pronunciation of the man's name? Denis, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, he's a uh, uh, Version of Dune that has just dropped here in the year of 2021, our Lord. Uh, I'm joined as always here at Pancake Studios, provided by one Jonathan Vergara. That's me. Oh. <laughs> who's, who, who's been who, kind of nursing something. Oh. Something we're not sure. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we won't get into details, yeah. but he, he we was. That he we were going to record this a couple of days oh, ago, and unfortunately, John wasn't feeling so good. But he's feeling a little better now. But he's uh, gonna he's gonna get see the old doc to make sure that uh, nothing uh, nothing untoward is going to happen. Right? We're yes. we're breaking down here, right? Recently, we're breaking down a little. All right. Well, I, will, I, I, I have oh, a, yeah. It's yeah, fair. I mean, I have I have a procedure coming up. Uh, uh, co-host uh, Edward Ng here, who uh, yes has been from uh, this has almost been uh, recorded for posterity. Your uh, your your lurch into cyborgdom. 
Um, well, I mean, the whole point of Dune is that uh, we must kill all the toasters. We, we must yes. kill it. Carry the cross. Carry the cross and kill the and toaster. kill the toasters. <laughs> you know, carry the cross and, and carry and, the cross. We're of course referring cross. to the 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 uh, the uh, prologue for the extended edition of Dune that used to be shown on PBS when we were kids. PBS and 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 we just recently showed it to Jonathan, right? And it's like we have to explain it. Like, listen, John. This is a story that sets that takes place ten thousand years into the future. Yeah, that future. was kind of blowing John's mind a little. Yeah, it so is. yeah, that we are going to be definitely covering um, Dune. Uh, these two films, I Ed uh, as a as a just getting cards on the table. Ed has been on and off for a couple of years actually trying to get through Dune. Right, the the book. On and yeah, like for, uh, decades. Okay, <laughs> not joking. okay. Not All joking. Right, as long decades. as as long as as long as Ed's being honest about it. Uh, I am really only familiar with both the 1984 version by uh, David Lynch, as well as the Sci-Fi Channel uh, miniseries, which covered uh, Dune and, I believe, uh, Children of Dune. Uh, but I could be wrong. Um, now, Dune is something that has been so giant, so monumental within the pop culture uh, sphere, not necessarily in terms of, like, heavyweight... Um, it's not a Lord of the Rings. It's not Star Wars or Lord of the Rings per se. I I would put it, you know what? I would put it closer to what Lord of the Rings was before the films came out. Right. Um, beloved literature. Um, Within a hard sci-fi. I mean, let's um, just... With, with, a, with a very strong, uh, you know, uh, the density of this narrative that Frank Herbert, you know, came up with back, you know, back in the 60s. It's for a certain type of audience, wouldn't you say, Ed? I mean, if you were, if you are, uh, my mother happened to be uh, one of the original Dune heads, as mm. I don't know what they're called. They right, maybe, right. maybe right. they're Dunies, maybe they're Dunies. Dune heads. I don't know. You know. Um, but she was one of the original, like, um, you know, p- uh, young people in the 60s that found this novel and really, really enjoyed it. And it's because my mother has always said it is the density. It's the fact that it's this whole litany and lore and vocabulary and everything. Like, John, there, it, like the original novel has its own, like, section in the back that is just like, here are all these terms we use and you have to know what they mean. Yeah, I mean, in that in that sense, it's very Tolkien, to- Tolkien-esque, right? Because even Tolkien had the Cimmerillion and you have, like... There's the Dune like, Encyclopedia, yeah, the which is, which is right. apparently similar to the Cimmerillion, yeah. where it's like, ooh, it's a, this book Benny that's Gesserit. out of print. What it's, are those? You can just look it up. It's this book that's out of print that people who are the real Dune academics are like, like, is this, do we consider this canon or not? It's a very, um, I, it's, it's, it has, it's been influential not through many versions. Mm-hmm. So Dune as a, just to give you an idea, um, in the late 60s or early 70s, um, there was a filmmaker by the name of... Alejandro Jodorowsky, who is a, a, sp- <laughs> a Spaniard or Frenchman, I forget. And um, so... I, I he, 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 he attempted to bring this... At that time, again, it was just like, is this filmable? People, mm. it's such a dense narrative. And this very avant-garde director attempted to bring it to the screen with Get This Cast, John. I mean, like, if he could have... He was very... He was this close to pulling it off. It would be, like, Orson Welles and... Um, Salvador Dali Salvador as Dali, the Mick Jagger. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Kwai Chan Kane himself uh, also. Oh, my oh, God. Yes. David Carradine David as Paul Atreides. He was going to be uh, Leto Atreides. He was going to be the Duke. Oh, Leto? Okay, Leto. He was going to be the Duke, yeah. yeah. And of oh, that's course, right. And his son and would his, be Paul Atreides. was pretty wacky. 
Well, here's the thing. Like, Miguel brings this to my attention, right? It's like, no, they made a, a, a documentary, and it's out there um, if, if you're Yodorowsky's able to get it. doing its goal. Uh, yeah. It's so, as bad as Nicolas Cage being Superman. So he spent, how long did he spend in trying to produce this? The, a long time. The key, what I'm trying to get to is the fact that there was an attempt made in the 70s that was also like a big all-star cast. Mm-hmm. There was going to be, it was right before or right after Star Wars hit, I want to say. It might have actually even been before I Star think before. Wars. Now, here's the thing. In trying to sell this to the studios, he needed all this concept art for what this, what Dune as a film was going to look like. Big storyboarding. Uh, a lot of storyboarders, a lot of character designs, a lot of set designs World and everything. Building. Ships, creatures. And he basically created a whole bunch of these binders that sort of contained his visualization of this movie and sent them out to the studios. Now... The thing about it is, is the film never got greenlit. He never was able to make it get made. However, because there were like, t- like it wasn't just a, it wasn't like two or three. I, it sounded, if I'm remembering the movie, like a dozen or so of these books, maybe even this, you know, twenty twenty five or something that went out to various places. Like huge, like hardcover with all of his art from famous artists that you goes know, to, uh, to every major and the guys like yeah, that were involved to in the it. major studios, right? And just it, it just gets archived, you know. Well, that's the thing. It was just this thing that just got tossed into like, yeah. But people who were aware that he had made this attempt and that there was this book, every once in a while, if you were involved in in some level of production, and I would assume this would be guys who did things like like special effects, like visualization and stuff, someone would say if you worked at so-and-so, you'd be like, like, oh, I hear you're working on that film, you know, in in the effects, you know, whatever shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, did you uh, did you ever see Jordanovsky's Dune book? No, what's that? Oh, you got to see it, man. And then what happened is it sort of became this sort of like passed around thing of this film that was never made that yet had all of these designs and, and it started getting cannibalized. There was a ton of stuff from that, um, this visual book he sent out mm-hmm. that had made it into films later on in some form up to and including as recent as Prometheus. Yeah. Where H.R. Geiger's yeah, um, Geiger's design for like the skull, whatever, mm-hmm. like the interiors and things, all of that comes from this Jordowski Dune book. Uh, Frank Herbert continued Dune through well into the eighties, um, and then he died mm-hmm. um, two years after. I want to say the, uh, the 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 Lynch film uh, came out. Uh, Which, by the way, at the end of the 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 at the documentary. Yodorovsky, who at this point, uh, it's uh, his his ideas for for his Dune film is already been scrapped. Right, right. he gets and to see he gets Lynch's... to see George, uh, David Lynch's version, and he says, and I, and I I'm kind of paraphrasing, he says, he says, and here I am, I'm watching the movie, and uh, <laughs> and as 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 close and close, I'm watching it, and I'm and I'm delighted. I become delighted because it's so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, now hold on. Now we have to. I just want to say this about Jodorowsky. This is a guy, John, who has a movie that basically has a line where he has a lump of, like, gold in gold the shape turd. of shit. <laughs> and he's like, it has lines where it's like, you are golden excrement. Or something like that. <laughs> it was a lot movies of... were never for the masses. So I don't, no, I don't know never, if he should... never been for the masses. Uh, but because of this, you know, through that, so it's Dune is influential in multiple, multiple ways, right? In the 80s... That film comes out. Um, 
I probably I I barely remember seeing it the first time as a kid, probably in '85 on mm-hmm. like video, and then years later, because like my mom, I said, was a huge fan, right. and she was very disappointed in the Lynch film for I think obvious reasons. I think it's well, a very it, it was in regular very... circulation. Not again. I missed your hey um, bootleg HBO. <laughs> it was on HBO. It was on PBS. It was on a local station here, um, uh, WPIX eleven. It, it, it was right? a film that if you were you, if you were a involved at all in sci, science fiction or knew anything about science fiction, and if you had four to three to four hours to kill, well, well, including okay. commercials. Well, okay, this is the thing. That's why it was always great <laughs> to see it on PBS because it's like I said, it's very dense the lore. And one of the things that happened with Lynch's version of the film, which we're going to talk about after we you know do our little preamble here uh, in more detail, is that. He didn't really get final cut per se on that film. He felt a lot of studio pressure on what to deliver. That's why there's all that stuff that's cut out. Mm. And then they made a version where cookie cuttered for TV masses. For, yeah, for to do like here's all the expanded mm. like material yeah. that we didn't put into the right. film. He had his name taken off the film. That's why if you ever see an expanded <laughs> version, it'll Smith- say Alan Smithy. Smithy. It's the very famous <laughs> Alan Smithy, the name used by. You know, the, you know, pro- producers when they've taken a director off a film, or a director wishes that you know, or like he's, I've gotten cut, taken away from me. I don't. This is not my vision. That now because of that, that's kind of more when I became more familiar with Dune, and I read the book once as a teen. But it, it, honestly, I can say it 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 didn't stick with me, and it I can't say that it like. It, Dune always was this smaller thing in my mind. Not not that I'm saying that the fandom is small or that the you know, but for me personally, it never really raised above a certain level. As time grew, I would say that I grew to appreciate. I actually have grown to appreciate any version, any cut mm-hmm. of Lynch's film. Um, it's not great. It's not perfect. It has a lot of problems. Um, and I'll get into them when we ta- start talking about them uh, definitively, but it has a soft spot in my heart for it. And I love the ideas. Every time I read up on Dune, I think, ah, I should crack that novel again at some point, get, get back to it like you, Ed. But never have. And now we have this new version by Villeneuve, and um, it's this big IMAX. It is a modern production. Mm-hmm. It is the equivalent of what Lynch was doing. Lynch, we forget, you know, Lynch was on a roll. He was on fire. I mean, uh, he very well could, he very well could have directed Return of the Jedi. Uh, he was, you, the, know, you know, he was on that short list. Well, you know, I mean, uh, he was. You can, one can argue that okay, he's the Tarantino of his day, right? You know, where yeah, he's the he's the indie movie darling guy yeah. who is you know sort of cutting edge. He's, he's not quite for everyone, and, but then that's but, why I would argue, like you know, you give him a a, a big um, something like Doom. something like. Well, like you say, like uh, did you say Re- Return of the Jedi? Is that what you said? Yeah, Return. He was, he was, he was, he was on that short list. He was definitely on. Well, the list yeah, for, I don't. I he would be horrible. <laughs> I don't. Well, like, look, we don't know what that co- combination of him and Lucas, because yeah, that's really what it would come down to. Yeah, well, and that's, uh, and that's but, but that's right. Yeah, 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 that's a, that's yeah, the road yeah, less right. traveled. Um, I, I let me let me give you my experience with uh, with it yeah. without really getting into specifically in the films. Um, like I, like like I said, it was in regular circulation growing up as a child. And uh, and I've seen the Lynch version more times than I can count, right? Um, and as well, I got older, 
And why would that be? Is it just because because on, it was there? And just because it's something on TV, hey, and in you, the background, and you just couldn't help but sit in front of it and just like go twiddle your thumbs. What is going on? This here? is a time before I was familiar with a with a small actor by the name of um, uh, Patrick Stewart. Right. right? No, none of us were. Yeah. None of us were. Right. You know, and uh, and then eventually moving on to the sci-fi versions, which I I, I watched the the, the miniseries starring uh, William Hurt, I believe. William, William Hurt. Hurt was Lido. William Hurt was Lido and a bunch of other actors, right? Yeah, that's unfortunately. Uh, McAvoy was in the sequel. Mac. So, he and then Children Lido of the Dune, yeah. a young McAvoy plays um, the son Lido of... Lido Atreides, yeah. Uh, right, yeah. You know. So I got to see those. And once I got into college, uh, I met my currently my best friend, and he, he worked for Tor Publishing. He had, a, he had a part-time job there. And then, you know, that's that was part of one of the reasons why we became friends is because... He kind of introduced his idea or just just had this discussion of like how do you make a distinction between space opera and and hard sci-fi and what are the distinctions between Star Trek, Star Wars, and something like Dune? At that point, you know, uh um your <laughs> without really getting to the spice stuff, your mind does expand, right? You learn <laughs> you really you you go, oh, okay, so I, I'm beginning to see the um the categories and the subcategories of the things that i that, that i that i've been right yeah about. there's and so it, it, you know as a it, it it that started you on the writing uh reading and trying to read yeah books. and so like and i've i've it, it from that point on it's been just trying to just get through the novel but here's a, here's a larger <laughs> here's a larger years. part of it um for someone like me and this is a very personal um uh uh a, th- a thing about about it in re- re- with regards to Dune. Um, me, I'm a person that I I like to you know. Well, I I guess if I had to label myself, I'm a person of faith, and um, the idea of of when you in, with with the, when discussing religion and and those and those themes that are attached to religion or or uh, or, or Judeo Christian. Um, Faith. That's the angle you're. That is at. the angle, and you're, that you're coming th- and that and really it's... gets to me. It's is that Dune hits those marks for me. You know, uh, a, a future ten thousand years into the future where all the major religions has, have has just come together, and and here you have a society, a a, a marginalized society, and they are waiting for their Messiah. You know, and you kind of sort of scratch your head and like, wow, this is just this is just amazing stuff. This is how um, Dune really gets into my my uh, get, it gets your really... juices flowing on that level. Yeah, you know. So that's and that's I would agree. I, uh, to me as well, those are the ideas um, along with sort of like the conceptualization of like what happens in society, what are the effects. Herbert, you know, as the originator of the mm. he doesn't from uh, <laughs> uh, Scientology. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense though. Uh, um, um, L. Ron Hubbard is L. the guy's Ron name. Is <laughs> but honestly, he was also a science fiction writer. Uh, you know, and you can see here, um, uh, Frank. You know, Frank Herbert's. You see, you know, you, you completely dropped me off. I, so I don't even remember what I was going up for now. What were you saying before? You're the, uh, oh, well, that, you know, the uh, that he, you know, it, it hacks it from a religious angle. And I would say the same thing because it's the idea that Herbert very much thought through, like, here's a concept and here is sort of an inevitable result or some kind of result that has to fall along these, like, lines. And, you know, he, you know, he made sure to make it very unique the whole idea of like well everyone else is doing 
laser guns and spaceship mm-hmm. battles, mm-hmm. I'm going to be do something very, very different, make the hand-to-hand combat be an important part of this as well, um, which is another aspect of Dune, the idea of... Did, did anyone at any point say, get behind me, Thetan, <laughs> in the movie? <laughs> Possibly. Right. Possibly. Um, uh, you know, and as I said, there's all this, you know, you, you look at the Bene Gesserits and you, there's no way that there isn't some of that effect on Lucas's, on, on the Jedi mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, he, tell, tell me a little more about this dust. This, this spice. yellow spice. <laughs> we will, okay. Is we'll, it turmeric? Is it, come on. Is it okay. If you don't, if you don't really, okay. So John needs a, a, a very fast sort of like this yeah. is. In this universe, there are no aliens. The apparently the only alien life form is are the is worms evolved. are the worms on Arrakis. Oh, These worms. giant worms, huge. I mean, we're talking like skyscraper size. They're gigantic, right? Um, and on this planet Arrakis, where the worms exist, wait a minute, is the only place that produces this spice. And the rest and up of the- until oh, uh, up until this point in their history. There's a very nebulous relationship that people are like, well, we know that the spice is just like you can mine it. There are veins of it. Some of it is just flown around in the air on Arrakis. But it's like, okay, why is it that the worms are always pissed off whenever we try to mine it? And eventually it is we learn that the spice is, an, is a biological uh, after effect mm-hmm. of the evolution of these worms, their life cycle, right? Right, right, right? Okay, now, of course, what what is Frank Herbert doing here with this idea? Aspartame and uh, bacteria. No, what he's, what he's doing it here is he's talking about colonialism. Mm-hmm. Because the Fremen people who live... Indians and salt. He's talking, he's talking, he's talking about, about people who live in some area that have a resource that the masses want and will do anything to get and what they do to their society yeah. happens to an environment and like, so on. Like and the so way forth. what the Dutch was with tea or, you know, ivory, like mm-hmm. any sort of resource that comes uh, naturally. In all honesty, and that modern society oil. has, and oil, and that modern society has deemed these, these resources as essential to, to, to how, and, how and, and it's to not just deemed, it's living, not just yeah. deemed because of course the idea is truthfully, we are a society now that is addicted to oil. We need oil. It's not just, we, uh, we can wean ourselves off. No, we need to find alternate ways of powering things because we're depleting uh, we're, we are, depl- we're going to, there's, there's this resource that is depleting and is, cannot be infinite. And greenhouse gases. And yeah. on and on and on. And there's your eco- ecological, and, you and, know. In Dune, it is that the spice does many things. It is not just, a, you know, it is and a. It's all organic material. Yeah. It is an organic material that can be refined in different ways, we're right? About six thousand years into the future, and they can do all sorts of stuff. It can everyone, it extend every, your life. It, it can ex- expand everyone your mind. takes it to extend their life. It like it increases mental abilities, mm-hmm. physical abilities. It can be refined for everything from aphrodisiacs to medicines, so on and so forth. And you can get so addicted to it. However, if you stop having it, you will die. Like like I said, opium, right? Exactly. It is. Uh, he's Herbert was drawing on all of these sort of things and making it very logical to a large degree. Not all of it, but it is based on the idea of like, well, you know, you're going to come across places uh, when when they when cultures travel, mm-hmm. there's going to be changes. That's why we have things like the combination of religions, the combination of language, the combination of all sorts of like. 
mm-hmm. ideas. Now, one one thing about the spice, um, I just want to do one more last thing about the spice is it allows for space travel, right? And now it doesn't. What it does, it allows um, for those who. And where did Star Trek Discovery get their whole biological animal warp ah, Right, right. You know, huh? there you go. You are not. You are not wrong. You are absolutely not wrong. Literally, char- the character that Stamets, as we mentioned, in our, when we were talking about mm-hmm. Discovery, is named after an actual mycologist. You know, a yeah. real life mycologist uh-huh. who was a um, person who. Talk back and forth with Herbert. Okay. The real life okay. Stamets was a guy who was a contemporary of Frank Herbert and introduced him to the use of mushrooms and microdosing and on and on. Well, and on. there you go. <laughs> um, but again, the ability for the for these characters in the in, in Dune, the navigators. Um, now you say it's not folding space. That, that's the difference between the Dune, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the yeah. movie, and in, in the in the book version, it is more along the lines of yes, it's still doing the mutation and stuff to them, but. It's not there are there are engines that do take people, mm-hmm. but you need this precognizance almost to find the path through the infinites of space to bring people mm-hmm. back and forth and doing that. And that is also what makes the spice again. So you've got the populace has an addiction towards it, and oh, there are all these multiple uses for it. It's extending life, and you can imagine the elites love something that will extend their lives. While also, it allows- while also, they are absolutely totally dependent on this empire of getting people and 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 their and their economy with the spice as well. Without right. it, petrochemicals exactly being able to move from one one planet to the next and then go, hey, you know, we're we'll we're, we'll expand our empire. Um, in that in that sense, right? and just goods and services. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's the sort any and sort of byproducts, all of that going on. And of course, it's it's it has that effect of we've seen of what happens to the local populace, and that's who the Fremen are. That's their their sort of. Uh, it's very also he's taken a lot from so the, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, it's the futuristic yeah. robber baron. And the yeah. last thing we're, we're I'm going to really talk about, really getting deep into the religion, is the fact that while Paul Atreides is the sort of like. Um, he's up there with your Flash Gordons and your Buck Rogers in a way because he is that sort of inspiration, that character that inspires a lot of these chosen one, mm-hmm. you know, man, you know, Luke Skywalker yep. type. Mm-hmm. However, because the Dune books have never been produced beyond, honestly, like you know, the Sci-Fi Channel miniseries got closest, right, yep. to g- going further into the story. But John, one of the very interesting parts about the sort of hero's journey thing in Frank Herbert's book that isn't really touched on in Lynch's film. And when we really get into, we'll talk about it. I don't think the part one of the Villeneuve uh, movie got into it either is the fact that the religious stuff in it, let's remember that prophecy is fake. <laughs> That's one of the things the Bene Gesserit implant that prophecy into the Fremen yeah, yeah, to true. get the, So it there is a very much an, a, a very um, inspired inception. Uh, no, no, no. It, there's very much this sort of the, uh, awareness on Herbert's part where he's like the whole point of Dune is not that yay Paul Atreides is the cool hero. It's that Paul Atreides is going to foment a rebellion that is religiously based, take advantage of that, and then. Because he becomes this messiah character with messianic abilities to a large degree, he sees the future and he sees a jihad that goes out into the universe in his name that will kill all life. 
And so, no, no, wait, 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 wait. And so, he himself does. He sees that his the religion in his name is going to be this destructive force in humanity, and so he does not have the stones to do what is necessary to ensure both humanity's survival and that this jihad doesn't go on in his name. And it is left to his son to sort of continue. Well, they murder and do they murder and, million billions and yeah, of and, people. And, so, and it's sort of that. And that's the sort of thing. Yeah. It plays the whole messianic mm-hmm. hero's journey thing that we are so used to in our yeah. pop culture yeah. completely on its ear where, you know, literally the son of that character says, yeah, we unleashed something that was. <laughs> so John, just to, just to backtrack a little bit with the, with the crash course, right? So we're on this planet and basically the emperor of the universe tells one of the houses, right? Uh, hey, I'm going to send you to this planet. Uh, uh, you are going to be um, uh, the steward to this planet, right? And but meanwhile, like the it's, emperor, it's, it's the very, emperor's way of saying, "Oh my God, th- this duke is really popular among the uh, amongst the people." It's very so. Indian, I'm going to East Indian Trading Company right. of these all these figures with political power jockeying, and the emperor is basically going the, like, "Look, I'll gi- I'm going to give you this fiefdom um, that you're taking away from one of your enemies." Right, and they see it. They go, they go. You know, it's a trap. I'm like, yeah, it's a trap, but um, we can't turn it down. Well, we can't turn it down. Right, we so, have to do it. They go there, and then the whole idea is the emperor is like, this guy's getting too popular. He has an enemy. I will put a circumstance that everyone's going to be. Oh, why did they attack him? Uh, they were enemies. You so know, what, what are you going to? You know, I gave him. Hey, I said to take the, over the place. He did the job. But, you know, his, his enemy came in when it was really the emperor all along. It's like, I just want to get this guy to lay because he's gaining in too much power. Leader of this house that's sent to this planet, he dies. And his son is, is the one um, uh, prophesied, fake, fake prophes- uh, prophesied as the, the leader of this, of this Fremen group. The Fremen group are basically the, the, the Bedouin society. Sort of Islamic Bedouin planet. types of this world and, who've been living in this. And the, the other part of this goes into the sociology part yeah. is that the emperor in this universe has kind of held a lot of control because he has these this terrifying army from this planet called Secunda Secundus, mm-hmm. who are the Sadukar, his terror troops. And it basically, I don't know if they've ever really gone into detail. I was going to do some of my research on it. Like I said, I'm not a Dune expert, but it seems to be that the circumstances on this planet, which is part of his home, his house's home system, let's say there are a couple of different planets that they could live on, is just like it's inhospitable. And it produces inhospitable people. <laughs> like it became their prison planet as well as the place where they trained this army. And so, oh my God, that's kind of partially what keeps the emperor mm-hmm. in control because he has... That is where the Fremen come in for the House Atreides. They have taken over this planet. The Fremen on this world have been sort of been squashed down for thousands of years as long as people have been using spice. And it is Duke Atreides who's like, I think that there are not, not only that there are more of these people on this planet than we think. And we could use that to our advantage. But we could use it because this will be. They could be our allies and desert power. Because he thought to himself, Mm -hmm. this is the exact same circumstances of the Emperor's troops. These are people who are a warrior society living in an hospitable land. To just live, someone genetically has to be a superior of superior stock, which gets into some of the weirdness yeah, yeah. of Frank Herbert being kind of a bit of a, a... Well, let's put it this way. He really believed in that feudalness. 
He thought that that's where it was going. He was well, an I elitist. About, I don't know he about was that. An, no, he was an elitist who believed that there were people who led and people who followed. And that is why, I, in a way, in uh, those stories, I, you don't get a lot of average people. It is all the jockey. No, but the, the whole elite. point of Dune, and this is the underpinnings that I that I think was was what Herbert was trying to get to is, is so you have these houses, like some symbolism with, with this recent movie is, is the bull, right? Um there are certain scenes where they just show the horns of a bull, right. uh, a, a a sculpture of a bull, you know, okay. and it would seem as if as if Herb, uh, uh, Villeneuve is kind of detangling what Herbert is trying to say. It's like, listen, for generations, these no, the uh, nobility has always been about feeding you lies that that hey, you we're special people. We we come from. We come from uh, Roman society, like we're, we yeah, are, we come from a game. long line of, of yeah, all the way tracing down, down from what you have back in the old, or, uh, old right. days of earth. And that's just completely bullshit, right. you know? But, so, and I think that's, and Herbert. But see, that's the thing is that, no, um, Herbert, I'm telling you as a person, as a person, he was an elitist who believed, this was, the, this gets into L. Ron Hubbard Terry. This is where he actually believed society not only was going, but should go. Because he really was a, the type of guy that believed that there were special people. It is throughout all, everything I've read on it is there's a lot of improvement of humanity. Let's just say. Oh, you mean what, so? Wait, so are you saying that the the at the end of the day, it's going to be the fremen who are gonna who are going to overthrow? And well, that, no, that's, it, again, that it just ha- shows it just shows a point of view of like you know survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of questions of things like morality and other, you know, so on and so forth. It's just like, okay. From, an, from a Eastern and, or and from a... Just, just in general. And he also was a person who, again, he did not believe the common person could govern themselves, Ed. Yeah, okay. He was that, that I, I, yeah, it's I what will, I'm saying. Right. He is, that's the, so there's some, right. there's some stuff no, in I, here. I thought, I thought, I'm, I, I thought uh, what you meant was saying that, no, I mean, uh, he believes in the... Uh, uh, yes, like a world where where you have emperors and yes. and princes. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean that, that yeah, again, and again, such that, a breakdown and, 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 of that, yeah, right? But I mean, no, they, no, no. But see, you say that, but that is he believed that that those are the people who know. are making decisions in society for real. Um, I think that's. Just, I think that's there's just, no there are no like there are no common everyday characters in this story. Correct. Okay, there are no you have no real but sense I, of what the everyday life is for the average non elite person and in the breakdowns of most of his societies that he has um you know each different world each different you know houses and i mean so on I, and so forth. I take he that as just like maybe he's just holding up a mirror and saying hey this is what we are you know and and at he the had a day, point, he had he had a definite point of view um he he also let's remember that, that okay i'll grant you some of this there was a lot of his there's a lot of also okay he's a feudalist he was also very much a very much a libertarian. His whole okay. idea in well, here is mushrooms, that, of course. <laughs> well, uh, well, his whole idea is very much that you know. Well, let me put it this way, John. The the like I said, Paul sees the future that maybe his he's going to inspire jihad that will destroy humanity. But the prescience that the 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 the, the, the you know the future view that you can get as a klisatz Hadarak, the super being, the Messiah. One of the things that he was seeing was that. Because humanity was centralized in this empire, anything could take them out at any point. They're, they had sort of like come close to it with the the machines having taken over in their past history, right? And there was always 
of threat that thinking machines could return at some point as well and also take on humanity. And then he, the, the through the prescience, there is also revealed that, oh, hey, what if, you know, not just a jihad, not just an AI, you know, a gamma burst, this and that. The worry was that humanity needed to get loose of all sorts of structures. That's his sort of, that he's feudal, but then he brings in this libertarian aspect where he's like, Oh, what needs to happen to humanity is humanity needs to be even more diversified, more away from all sorts of um, human beings need to be inoculated with this um, distrust and hatred of authorities. And that's the only way that they'll be able to spread out. It's poetic. And in the story, basically, Paul Atreides decides, I'm not going to go through with the jihad, which is like the first part. I can't, I, I he, his soul can't accept that. His son, who takes over for him, becomes a god emperor, like literally becomes like an alien slug monster who has nothing but like the like despotic control over his empire for like 3,000 years. And then he plans his own assassination well, so that in his the power vacuum, humanity, and he planned it all. Like he was like, I want to die. I have to do this for 3,000 years. I'm going to be the bastard of bastards to all of humanity so that I'm going to force them to find a way to get around all of my power. And then in doing that, I have evolved the race forward to the point where even beings like me who have superhuman abilities could not ever control them or destroy all of humanity. Like there's a weird, like I, look, look at the, all, only makes you stronger. look at, yeah, exactly. Thank you. There's a lot of all, there's a lot of weird jujitsu of, feudalism to libertarianism to the sort of darwinism to sort of like it's now, now here's the thing like you know as as professor velez is is explaining i can see that you you're looking a little bit lost right you know and that's the thing is for the general or let's say a sci-fi general audience it's, it's usually lot. just the first book that that that's that's more praise than anything right because eventually what happens to these novels i think seven novels all together right you know and then the, and then sun, the sun takes over the sun takes over after and the then by then no one really cares um there's you know? i mean it's still it, those those books have their place within i mean the, we're, we're kind of we're kind of kicking ourselves in the ass because or, or not being able to get jeremy in on it because i oh, know yeah, that friends he's of actually, jeremy he's, uh, in, he's jeremy really is, deep is, into this sort oh, of stuff oh oh no he's testicles deep, he's testicles deep. <laughs> <laughs> so but like for I think what the discussion of the day is, you know, what is covered from the first book and what that book has inspired. Three, um, uh, two major films, uh, a two miniseries, miniseries, two miniseries, two mini, two miniseries, two miniseries, two miniseries, right? 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 You know, but uh, and video then games, video games, and then things that just spawn off, right? And people just being influenced by it. Without that, there's no Star Trek. There's no, there's no Star Trek. There's no Star Wars. No there's, Alien. Um, there's 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 no Game of Thrones. Right. You know. Um, you know, without a doubt, this was uh, J.R.R. Martin. Yeah. Um, now, you and I again can't. I don't think we come from this as of Dune super fans who you know you are attempting to go through the books, and it's a it's been a twenty year slog. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, while I'm a I'm aware of a lot of stuff, and I've read a lot of as many wikis and as seen as many videos as I can over the year, just for it my is- general education on it i can't claim that i have all the you know the so i think we are both really coming to this as people who have like seen and have a knowledge of dune a lot of it comes from the 1984 movie Mm -hmm. and that's why i felt the need to 
go at least do a little mini review and talk about that film before we get into the 2021 Mm. film. Now, we have uh, our uh, foreign correspondent, Anna Maria Stanemeyer Grimaud, uh, (laughs) from Anissi, France, which is the uh, Venice of the Alps. Um, who who is a who um, is has is a bigger fan is a is a reader of the she, books. I believe she's a big fan, but she she um, said that she watched it twice uh, twice back to back the Denis Villeneuve. Oh, the movie. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the new one that twice. just came out. Okay, um, so. Um, but we unfortunately, like, I think she. The connection she can, here has been we may or may not have her later on in the podcast uh, to give her um, perspective. her perspective, uh, um, but. Uh, we are going to cover first the Lynch film and talk about it, and then we're going to cover the Villeneuve film. I think that is. I think that as we talk about the Villeneuve film, that's it's inevitable that we were going to discuss or do some comparisons to to Lynch's. So that's how that this is going to play out. So we're going to take a quick little break for some words from friends, and then we're going to come back with a uh, review discussion of David Lynch's 1984 Dune. <laughs> We had our bathroom basement done. Anna Maria Stanimir Gromo, a friend of the podcast, who lives out in France, she consults and she says, hey, let me design your your basement bathroom. And that's exactly what she did. She did everything um, via email, via FaceTime. Did the renderings and everything, right? Renderings and everything, a completely beautiful. I took the renderings and uh, hired a contractor, and they are currently putting, the, as we're speaking, putting the finishing touches on my basin. And it looks fantastic. It looks great. Servicing clients domestic and international. A master's here to help you through your different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you. Go to masterdesign.com. That is a master spelled A-M-A-S-T-A design. In the kitchen with Roro. In the kitchen with Roro. R-O-R-O. If you're looking for bite-sized bits of yumminess and need to satisfy that sweet tooth, then check out In the Kitchen with Roro on Instagram. Each item especially made by our personal friend Rosie here in Brooklyn. Also coming to YouTube, that's In the Kitchen with Roro. Jürgen Prock now. <laughs> we're doing, obviously, we're doing the music from the end, from of, the ending of, of David, David Lynch's, Lynch's Dune. Uh, David uh, Lynch's Dune from 1984. I, I just want to say straight up, like I, so I have this old coworker, and he's kind of curmudgeonly, right? You know, and and he's very well versed in the Dune verse uh, with the books, and uh, I, I stay in touch with him on Facebook, and straight up, he goes, he loves. He had like. Three reasons on why how he loved uh, Denis Villeneuve's version, and all he and he goes and I hate David Lynch's movie. Uh, but let me say this again: I hate David Lynch's movie, and I he's just generally very dismissive of that. Okay. And here's the thing: David Lynch's movie is not great. It's a ho- it's I'm okay. I'm not going. It is. It's watchable. Well, I think it's actually. I quite love it. You love it. Okay. I love it because it's I, I, so bad. Instead, it's I so see, good. That's what I don't. I, think. I don't have that ironic. Really? I honestly think that there's a there's a lot of great ideas. There's a well, lot. It's of not great even, performers. Well, that's the thing. I don't mean it to be ironic per se, right? You know, but but like some of the things that are executed, there's stuff that doesn't work. There's absolutely yeah. stuff that does not work in that film to a large degree, and that's why it sort of has it's, only amassed 
a cult following over anything else. It's considered Lynch's probably among Lynch's fans, amongst Lynch cognoscenti. I don't think it ranks that very high. Mm-hmm. The man himself has come out and said because he lost the you know the cut and so far mm-hmm. that wasn't exactly what it wanted. He's it's his probably least favorite of the films that he's done. All that out there, uh, I have a weird soft spot for it. There's some stuff that's very compelling in it. Um, we, you and I, have had this discussion a couple of days ago where, like, you were like, "Yeah, but you know, it's not really that great." Like, even on the production, and I would argue that. It is. It's pretty. It's actually really good for its time. Listen, some of the shots in it are just absolutely like fantastic. I mean, the 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 hallway scenes, uh, the the Fremen hallway scenes are yes, the ones that right before he goes, "Long live the fighters!" <laughs> and by the way, like Miguel and I have this. You know, we have this gag. There's always called the two idiots, right? You know, the, the two <laughs> exactly. idiots who have jobs as stormtroopers, the two idiots who work in Starfleet. Like the person's eye view in these worlds we always think right. about. So, so, it's like, you always so think about, like, what if the, the two, two idiots guys? are like, you know, they're, they're part of the Fremen, and then it's like, yeah, for no reason, they just go like, as running soon as out. Paul, as soon as Paul finishes his speech, he's like, he's like, he's like, long live, and everyone just, like, <laughs> goes. And I'm like, like, did like, Paul finish? Did he give them the plan? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm thinking, like, you know, one of them is like, Hey, hey uh, I just going? came from the bathroom. Did I miss the part where <laughs> the 10 who trains the 10, 10 who trains the other t- t- uh, 10? Like, I think I missed that. <laughs> wait, wait, where are we going? Hold on, no, no. We can't, no. Everyone oh, can't go man. out the door. Wait, no. A, I forgot my sound. I don't know how to use a sound <laughs> weapon, you know? And then, you know? then they all got to come back and like Paul's there and he's just looking at them like I told you guys to wait after. So like, yeah, I mean, shots like that, like they're fantastic to watch, right? And then you have- It's a very creative, it definitely shows off a lot of Lynch's creativity in a way that some of his other movies up to that point and since haven't. Like, he's not done anything like but, that. But there, there are these other scenes that are just like, I have no idea what Lynch is doing. It's a green room. It's the scene where, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, Baron where the Baron is, is just getting the his disease getting looked his, at. Right, you know, and then right before he, he squeezes the juices out of this, this young boy who just brought in, like, flowers right you know yes and and then and then like the sh- it's just a one camera shot fade played by sting uh is flanked by um um uh what's the brother's name raban R- raban and then the baron's over here and then you have uh um um right yeah it's it, it's like it's weird it's weird it's weird it's you're like, lynchian is, to the max i mean I'm, it's um, like you're watching a soap opera right and you know one of the things about the movie uh, that I will always say is one of the big issues and that I was worried with uh, the 2021 version. The biggest issue with Lynch's film is not the grotesqueries to me. It's not the production design. I, a lot of, there are a lot of things that work well together in that movie. This, you know, the, the costuming is great. It is a fantastic effing cast from top to bottom. Some people who were, you know, veterans in the making that we didn't know how long we were going to have. And, and, you know, some people who would, you know, rise to superstardom, great character actors. But Lynch's overall weirdness added already to the weirdness that was due. <laughs> All right. We're already dealing with the, something that it, on its base is very strange, hard to get your hands around to a certain degree. He then adds the Lynchianness to it with, you know, I mean, come on, like the scene where where Brad Dourif 
uh, as Peter DeVries mm. is doing this whole thing. And like, for some reason, when he talks, the, the, he does this thing with his hat, hands. Right. And he's, <laughs> you will go to <laughs> the place. And he's doing this, all this like sign language crap. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, everyone is very weird for yeah. the sake of weirdness. <laughs> and when they're not weird and off putting, or saying, even just saying, even when the character is more or less normal, they like the line has got to be said in a way that it's like, "Are you human? Do you have?" That is the interesting. It's thing, strange, right? and so it's yeah. hard to. It's a movie that the the the, the it, treatment it, on the mentat, and this just the mentats, right? You know, like you say, like these mentats are human computers. They they they're obviously they don't behave like regular people. Like when they talk, and then oh um hey um thou, um thufir um, how much is this going to cost? You know, uh, and this is from the the, 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 oh, the yeah, new he, version. His right? eyes roll. His eyes roll back, head. and they turn white, and then he performs this human calculation from the top of his head. And I understand, and and that is, I don't know. Like, did you find that weird? Like, you know, well, you know, the Lynch version. Um, you know, one of the things is this is like we said, it's a mm. dense story with all this backstory mm. before we start the story. We're supposed to be paying attention to, and his film he decided to do these weird exposition dumps and do voiceovers and stuff to sometimes get, which is in the book, a lot of voiceovers. Yeah. There's right? a lot of, you know, there's a lot of internal right. dialogue. And that's the thing. It's like how much of, and this is something that I have no idea, uh, like how much of Lynch had bar had really borrowed from Yodorovsky's, um, Bible. Right. If right. You, yes. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, know. I don't know. I but, don't think, I don't think so. If only because Lynch's like the, that's Lynch. It's, Lynch is vomited all over that movie. Uh, his takes, his, but uh, the Edwardian style of it. I think that that was, I really love that. Oh yeah, I've always <laughs> said that that Dune has this sort of like steampunk aesthetic. Yeah, uh, that we didn't like. That once Star Wars came, you know, basically once Star Wars and Star Trek hit, that became your two flavors mm-hmm. for a lot of science fiction. So at least Dune has this very distinctive look. It has a distinctive take on everything. You know. And I'm and again I'm not I don't just mean Dune as in you know obviously Herbert already mm. was doing something that was a little off the beaten path but then you get Lynch involved and then the visuals and everything mm. become very strange but that's the thing <clears throat> everything is strange everything is weird and off putting and then he ups that to twelve you're not left with anyone that you're like can particularly commiserate with or sounds like there's no compelling like. The dialogue back and forth because everything is so strange. Even the and, and also the off. and also from a similar to, uh, like from a photography perspective, you know, like um, the the throne room, like the emperor's throne room, where they're they're nobles it's just great, walking around. It's but a great it, set. It looks like a BBC set, right? Right. It's a, it, 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 that is it. That I will say. Yes. Yeah, that's hey, not that. You're not I will. That far I will off. say but that. Hey guys, I have a quick question. Sorry, um, but do you you guys like are personally into steampunk? Not really. No, I don't. Get uh, it. I can be like you know, like it depends on what the what, what it is. Like if it's Miyazaki has a lot of steampunk in it, and I love yeah. Miyazaki steampunk. But I ask because I hear it's the healthiest way to prepare punk. We're done. We're done. Anyway. Wow, we'll, the we'll get wrench. you. We'll get you later. <laughs> anyway, um, one of you know one of the things about you know as I said is that Lynch's the eighty four version. 
he doesn't go out of his way to soften any aspects of this story or the characters for the audience. He ups the weirdness. Down to a little uh, 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 Aaliyah. Yeah, with at her the end voice. With, with the knives and the hands. And, I mean, and she's, it's, it's a slow motion shot. She's having this moment of ecstasy. Everything is being burnt behind, <laughs> like to, to, to Chris behind her. Yeah, you, you kind of got to wonder like, what the... I would love to be on the set that day with how did Lynch direct that little girl. You know, Alicia, and, you, you know, know li- listen. Yeah, you know. yeah um, but yeah, it is, you know... And so because he didn't have that... Now, I... I again because I'm not coming from the 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 base of the book is all to me the book is the the sacred text here. I don't care in the Lynch movie about the changes they necessarily made. Mm-hmm. They don't offend me. I would like to have seen more stuff. I would like to have seen more things explored. Mm. Um you look at a character like Duncan Idaho who is nothing nothing like in the Lynch in the Lynch in the in the Lynch version. Yeah. He's he's there and you know you blink and you'll miss him. Um and even the Benny Gesserit stuff is still not pretty opaque. We're not really, exa- you know, exactly sure. And of course, he kind of excised any aspect of that where, you know, people who are fans of that book are very angry at the ending of that because it it basically says, no, 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 this isn't a jujitsu. This isn't <laughs> this isn't Paul and his mother took advantage of the Benny Gesserits um, implanting this messianic religion here. It's no, he is a messiah with divine powers who can make it rain, Mm -hmm. which of course goes into a whole other thing. They were like, they ruined Dune that way because the rain would kill the worms and blah, 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 (laughs) blah, blah. Um, But that actually doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I'm judging. Mm -hmm. I, I have to grapple with the movie on its own. And on its own, while I, it's enjoyable as sort of like an 80s, almost like a very strange 80s romp sci-fi movie with this great with cast. This, it's Flash Gordon-esque uh, aesthetic to it. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, even, you know, the problem is, is that it is still very, it's very slow. It's too layered. There is still a ton of stuff that you're really not given a lot of information on. And... Let's be honest, Kyle MacLachlan as Paul, I think he's good. He's as, a little old. He's, <laughs> I th- well, I, you know, well, I don't know how old he is at the time. If you, if you told me Kyle MacLachlan was between 19 and 21 when that movie came out, I'd completely believe you, okay? Um, this, this movie, by the way, the, uh, uh, going back to the numbers, on a budget of 40 to $42 million in 1986. Right? Which was big bucks back right. then. With a box office of and the loses money uh, between thirty point nine to thirty seven point nine million, so it loses money. It loses money, because, but I think as a cult classic, it is undeniable. It had you know? because I think that that was the other thing we forget that the I think the reason why maybe people our age and a little older and it gets, still holds yeah. still hold it in have some esteem for it or at least appreciation for it, and it gets a director's cut. Yeah, again, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, which again, which is uh, I think that. I think that essentially we didn't get anything like that. I mean, the simple fact that there was 1984 is still a year where you can say, oh, my God, I can't believe we're getting another science fiction movie. They weren't that many. Mm. We didn't get them at that scale. Mm. And we certainly weren't getting, you know, adaptations of of well-worn classics and so on and so forth. So on that level, I think there's always going to be a bit of an appreciation for it. Um, If there what are your. 
uh, give me two things that you like from the film that like, like, and I don't mean ironically. I mean, like, I mean, not that it makes you laugh, but like that. Oh. Yes, that's good. That was, that was executed well, two things. And then two things that are just effing ridiculous. Um, well, I can tell you over the top, uh, stings fade, right? Because we remember this. This is a, this is always this is two things that are ridiculous. This, well, it's it's over the top, and this is something that you and I always point out as a joke, right? You know, it's like at any given time, you and I, Miguel, we go like, "I will kill him, the righteous." At any given time, we will just. And yell I don't this. know if it's just their good lines or it's just that Sting does them. Right. I don't and know. It, it, or the fact that, like, hey, you know, like. Um, Listen, Paul, you're gonna fight you're gonna fight Fade, all right? Just watch out for that little blade that pops out on the side, <laughs> right? Belt. Just watch out for that. Because it's poisonous. And then Paul and then Paul starts pulling a uh, a a Chuck Norris in the octagon. I will brand like a reed in the wind. <laughs> now, here's the other thing that um that the one thing that I really do like, and um I doubt this is in the book, right? <laughs> the very fact that um, at one point the Fremen realize, um, uh, basically, Paul takes on the name of uh, Muad'Dib, right? And um, it starts out like, "Well, what is that? We're going to give you a name. You're going to you're one of us now." Okay, this is uh, the Dancing of the Wolves part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no. And he says, he says, he says, Paul, it's your time to join us, and you're gonna, you're, you're gonna, t- you, uh, what do you want to be called now? And uh, Kyle McLaughlin looks up and says, "Well, what is the what is the shadow of the moon in the second moon? Uh, shadow of the mouse on the second moon?" And what does the what does the Fremen say? We call that one Muad'Dib. <laughs> Muad'Dib. May I be Paul Muad'Dib? Je- uh, Paul and his mother Jessica. All right, okay. Jessica is a rever- is a uh, Benny Gesserit. They're they're Jedi women. That's what they are. Right. They have a martial arts called the Weirding Way, and it's a very special way of fighting. Now, well, yes. Now, here's the thing. In Lynch's uh, movie, they don't show you the martial arts of it. Right. Um, One of the interesting. So are you saying that you appreciated that? You appreciate. No, this is what I do appreciate. (laughs) Okay. The aspect of how he teaches. Well, we're going to show you how to fight. Uh Hey, kick the stone. Is it gonna uh, when you kick it? Does it move? No, it doesn't. So this is what I'm gonna do. And they, they have these weapons where they use sound and their own sounds, their own sounds, in order to blast whatever is in your path. And it's, he says, he says, you know, thoughts can have thoughts have a sound. Words that to have. be an equivalent to a form. Correct. And we can harness that form to do things. And one of the weird things in the, is that one of the guys goes, "Hey, more deep." Oh, Mordim, Mordim, Mordim. And the weapon just goes nuts and it just blasts. And it can like the, blast, the, the and, it blasts, and it blasts stone. And he's like, oh my God, my name, my very name is a killing word. That is fantastic. Okay, so that's a that's a moment that's, yeah, right? you like. you mean to tell me they were touching upon string theory 30, 40 years no, but, before but, but, string theory uh, was, was a theory? I think it's, well, it's a little more philosophical. Or Well, this is where I get with it. The theology of it is just Oh, I just, it's mind blowing, right? Well, there are always As, the words and names of God are important things in both Judaism and in Judaism. You can't even, you can't even, you're not, you can't even say the name of God, right? Or else you're, you just, you're just, you'll die. Um, in, in, in Islam, you're not allowed to show the, the image of, of the prophet, right? Um, 
in the Judeo-Christian uh, canon, it's, you know, uh, Jesus says, I'm, you know, I'm the word. I'm the beginning the and the end and the word. The logos. The logos that, became, that becomes flesh. flesh right? Exactly. Which is the again, word that the becomes word. life. Yeah. Right. So if you, perv- if beginning, whatever, you, yeah. And if you take whatever words and if you perverse them, then they become something else entirely, you know, which is, which, like you know, literal like, saying that a leader's words can, can both bring to life or can kill. Yeah. I mean, stuff that goes down to come down to like, you know, death, uh, and, um, you know dark what? side, a- dark side, having this anti-life equation, whatever the hell that is. Right. You know, stuff that's just, uh, a very apocalyptic um, ideas from just something that's that's a very simple concept as something that's that's a written okay. that's a written form. You okay. Know? Anything else? Or any? All right. So so that's sti- two. So sting. So no, you have one that you liked. Yeah. You like the idea of okay. the weirding modules okay. and th- thoughts and forms. Right. Uh, one is ridiculous. Is is Sting's lines and how he and how he delivered them. Hey, if I have to, something that just jumps out. Sir Pat Stew, man. Okay. Yeah. Come on. You know, I mean, from uh, from the get go, before his John Luke Picard days. This is, this is, he must have been making it in... Post-Excalibur. It's post-Excalibur. It's before he's done anything with Star Trek. You know, because of course, Trek, uh, and Next Gen did not come on until 87. Mm-hmm. So this is a very big budget film where he's getting some uh, showcase in it. And he's memorable. That is another part about this movie that is, 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 is it just because it's Patrick Stewart? Journey, I, I thought we practiced this morning. Like, I'm just not in the mood. Not in the mood! Things for cuddle and love play, not, not fighting. fighting. <laughs> I mean, like he is exactly what you want that kind of character yeah, to yeah. be. So, um, you, you, have you ever seen the sci-fi version? Yeah, I've seen the sci-fi that guy. Version. Whoever that guy yeah. who played Gurney is like, they just did this not. Is, this is nah, like you got to get. You know? It's like once we've had pets too, <laughs> you got to go back to a well like yeah. that. You and have then to the find shields, like that. The, the, the shields and the fighting and the slow blade. You know, like. It has it's, a lot of really good scenes. Um, for me, if I had to name two like utterly ridiculous things in it, I will have to also go to Sting and his <laughs> performance in this movie. You know what I mean? All I see <laughs> is an Atreides that I want to kill. Did he just come out of the steam bath? I don't know. No, that's With when they're going a, to oh, Thufer. Okay. When oh, they're like, <laughs> like, hey Thufer, here's this, here's this bald cat. You got a milk for you. <laughs> um, and it's a, it's it's so weird because, like, I mean, even the Baron who's kind of over the top, uh, you know, in a way is at least entertaining. Sting's lines and everything. I just I don't even know what his character is about, other than like like he the he does a lot He's of always staring. Got this grin, this staring. This, yeah, this, and and again, right. I'm not judging that against Fade in the book. I don't know Fade in the book. I don't know what he is quote unquote supposed to be. Mm. I do know that again, Sting's line readings and his stares are just you know they, they never. Oh, you they didn't even ask not, me about the Baron, right? The uh, Baron, who that actor who plays the Baron in, in Lynch's version. Is giving, and I told you, he's giving his one thousand percent. Oh, he's and, and the Baron, at least in Lynch's version, is engaging Fate. in the sense where beautiful fade. I'll give them you. <laughs> you know, um, you know, the, you know, Lynch was working uh, with a lot of constraints of the time. Let's let's not for, let's not forget that there are a lot of things. John Dune, con- seventy-four. No, eighty-four. 84. It's eighty-four. Oh, 84. It's eighty-four. And here's the thing, John. Uh, Dune contains a lot of sex 
there's a lot of weirdness and there's, I think maybe, who knows, I, maybe there's even a view that some of this could be problematic because it's like, well, remember that stuff I, Ed was talking about, how there was this guy that brings a flower to the Baron? Well, it's like, yeah, the Baron is a bit of a pedophile. pedophile, pe- pederasty. Uh, you know. Yeah, there's a lot. And everyone on their planet has these, like, there's this heart, heart, uh, heart, heart plug. Heart it's plugs. a heart plug where literally, like, if he just on a whim wants to kill you, he can just pull, just pull the thing out. out of your heart and you will bleed out. And he does that to someone. And you can tell it's a sexual thing. Yeah. Because he's literally over this this, this slave oh, that yeah. he's... And yeah, and he in his mind you hear, this is what I'll do to the Duke and his family. And it's like, <laughs> okay. You're kind of a weird kind of yeah. um, Thanks, Brian Eno. Um yeah. Um <laughs> I will say that that is another aspect of the movie I definitely have to have to give it for you know, I will always give its production values. I was gonna say production, but let's let's give Brian Eno and Toto their due here. <laughs> This we is did a very, give Toto their due. There is a very strange mixture of who was chosen to do the music for this film by Lynch, and it is the band Toto, along with <laughs> you know well-known rock and roll producer and artist Brian Eno. And I actually think the music in this movie works. Oh yeah, it, it's big and sweeping when it needs to be. It's strange and otherworldly when it needs to be. Um, both the sort of messianic like theme that that Eno brings is is big and powerful. It's not necess- It is memorable, but it's not catchy. I will give it that as a as in a minus. I, I don't know about it's, that. No, no, I mean, no, 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 no. Oh, okay, I mean, okay, in okay, the okay. sense of like, okay, if we're gonna compare now, no, we right. got to compare contrast. If we're gonna compare the music of Dune to the say the music of Star Wars or Indiana Jones, oh okay, okay, it's it, not John, Dune, it's no John Williams. Well, it's not right? just. Well, I mean, again, it's like it's memorable but not catchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, you you'll always There's, recognize yeah. that that music. Yeah. You'll always like its use in the movie. But again, you're no one, no no one is ever going to go. Hey, you know what I think we're gonna do if our football team for the <laughs> halftime show is let's do Brian Eno's. <laughs> Messiah theme from Doom. No, everyone's like, let's just do Star Wars, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, there's no. And by the way, anyone, if you're out there, if you were in band and that was one of your suggestions, you deserve the beating you got. You deserved it. You just outed your nerddom to the nth degree. But um, you know, as a you know, as overall, as a package. Uh, you know, I, I don't care about the grossness of people saying this. I've enjoyed that. I enjoyed the practical effect puppetry of like the guild navigator and, you know, the costume design. All of that is good. Um, they do, a, they you know, for its time, all the things that he wanted to accomplish effects wise, stuff like the worms and the shields, it's all there and it's pretty good. I will say that, you know, the overall unfortunate impression of the movie is you never really into the story with these characters. No one is particularly likable or engaging. You don't feel Kyle MacLachlan as a character is one where there's one point in the movie where like after his father has died and I know what they're trying again, it's not that I don't know what Lynch is going for. I know what he's going for. It just doesn't work where he looks up and he's like, father. No, 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 he goes, no. I feel nothing. And, <laughs> and like, I'm okay. like, yeah, Kyle, that makes two of us. That makes two of us in this movie. You are pretty effing dull, as is everyone. I mean, like, think about this. One of Hollywood's most 
both vivacious at that time. And let's be honest, the the word on the street was you also mean, crazy. You mean Chani, a.k.a. Uh, uh, Sean Young. All right. <laughs> She's dull in this movie. She and don't get me wrong, John. If John, if you ever see her in the outfit they have her in this movie, and again, it's not sexy in the sense of like it's showing like no, it's this full like space. She still looks amazing. Mm. She looks hot, and but she's flavorless. You don't really get any. And, it's, sense and that's of, the thing, like because uh, I had a rewatch again, an umpteen time rewatch of this, uh, maybe less than two weeks ago. This scene where okay, him and Ch- um, uh, Luke. I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, ironic. I mean, uh, um, Paul, Paul and Chani, they hook up, right? You know, and they're, they're, they're in bed and he wakes up from, you know, having these visions and dreams, right? You know, and she's like, what is it? You know, like very plain. There's no emotion. She doesn't seem to have much of a backstory in the Lynch. Movie. I have to drink the water of life. Outside of, she says that she's the, she's the daughter of Liet Kine. Yes. She's the, she's Max von Sydow's character. Yeah. And that's as far as it goes. Right. Like there's just like. I've been dreaming about you. Oh, here you are. I love you. <laughs> and I'm then, the, now I'm the maybe, Messiah. And that, for all that's we know, it. that's that's maybe that's, that's Lynch. I'm pretty, we're pretty sure. That's I don't. Lynch, I right? don't. But see, I don't know. Again, I again, but, but, I can't but, but, come from just, the just, book. Just right? hear me. Just okay. hear me out. Right. Okay. okay. So he's like, I need to drink the water of life. Bring out your best guys. Right. Your your best your best men. Wake them up. It's twelve midnight. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, what's going on? Like, well, the boss says uh, we gotta we gotta we gotta. Uh, he's drinking the water, the of life. water of life. He's- water. Oh wow, that's some really heavy stuff that's going on, right? <laughs> all right, so all right, what's going on? Or we're dried out here and He says he, he needs he says he needs like about uh fifteen feet of rope. Right. <laughs> but in that scene, no one ever says, Hey, did the boss say to buy to buy, to to bind him with the rope? No, I think he said to buy him. Like, like, <laughs> wait, but I think that's just a regular thing, right? Because if like, you drink the water of life, you're going to go, your hands are just so going go to go have to. So make sure so that we have to hold so him down, right? Hold right? Down. You know? right? Exactly. Okay. So I got to, I got to shift him. Oh body. crap. He drank <laughs> the water of life. <laughs> and he's awake. <laughs> and now he's screaming. That's like, that's like drinking cyanide and waking up, right? right. You Actually, know? it is. <laughs> Actually, it is. The whole idea of it is that the, the Reverend Mother's. It, they have the power to um, the water of life is a poison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long yeah, as, as right, long, and they have the ability to sort of break down its toxicity, and in doing so, uh, so like, like they pass through this like test. Right, this is our Messiah. <laughs> he survived the cyanide <laughs> stuff that he drank. He's our Messiah. Muadib, Muadib. There's a yeah, Shai Hulud. <laughs> Um, now this is the thing in the Lynch version that I, again, um, I get why there should be a remove perhaps for the characters and story, maybe even especially for Paul, since he's going down this route of being this Messiah who characterization for those type of characters tends to be not that deep, not that you can, they don't usually want to get into this, but this, the Lynch film, like I said, seems to be hedging it, putting its money on, no, 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 Paul is a real messiah. And that seems to me, he seems to be saying, and because of that, I can't give him much of a personality. I can't, you know, there's this remove from that story that I do not think serves the Lynch film well. Um, Do you really, Ed, I mean, like, let's be honest. Do you really feel anything like, let's say, when Leto dies, when... 
you know, when Jurgen Prock now does. Um, now you he, know what I mean? Who, who? I mean, let's put. What's the biggest emotional outburst in that movie that you will love until the end of time? The biggest emotional outburst in that movie is our man Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. You've no need for your weapon with me, Gurney Halleck. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> I thought you were dead. You young fuck! You, I mean, he's crying. You feel like you feel, and it's because Patrick Stewart is like, oh my god, emotion. You're like, this is a character. You got that connection between him and Paul earlier. And I don't know if it's, and it's, I don't know if it, again, if it's Lynch going telling Jose Ferrer as the Emperor, uh, Von Sydow, right, as Doctor Doctor um, Kynes, Doctor Kynes, right? Yeah. You know, Linda Hunt, yeah, as uh, Shout Out Mapes. Shut up Mapes. Um, by the way, my, my, uh, one of my favorite of the castings is the beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous, young Virginia Madsen as Irulan, as, yeah. as Irulan, right. You know, um, but, but, but she yeah. doesn't, the, the, these guys, and maybe it's because again, because moving on, uh, when we do move on to the new movie, which is one half of, of two, this story of the story. Yeah. I don't know. People have been saying for how long that, uh, Dune being, you know, it's hard to turn that into a movie. You know, I mean, this, this sort of, I, I, but see, I think that this is the thing. Lynch's Lynch. He did the job. He built the world. It visually brings you in. It has, you know, all the elements are there for the themes to play off of, but I, there is all of this stuff that's left off mm-hmm. of the table to give us context of what is going on. Mm-hmm. And then there is no, there seems to be no attempt on his part to get his actors to be like they're so photogenic. The camera loves yeah. all these people, but as characters, they're all very, very, very flat. Mm. And you don't end up like you know the sort of epic movement that he wants to get you involved in of this sort of like again this he wants it to be Lawrence Arabia in space, mm-hmm. and it doesn't play off like that ed lawrence of arabia is, is one of your maybe your top two it's like that and kwai right uh kwai river kwai yes river kwai and right. lawrence arabia yeah. okay now you know that lawrence of arabia drags you into the monomania of t.e lawrence mm-hmm. okay and there are all of these moments that drag you into you are concerned about his life what is going to happen mm-hmm. to him what does happen to him in that movie on and on from beginning to end, practically. Dune, Lynch's Dune does not have that. You, you're, you're left at the end of it thinking, I definitely have seen a, a well-made version of Dune, a well-made version of this type of story, but I ultimately, I, I, it's, it's, and yet I will continue to watch this movie. Right, yeah. For, it's a, for, I, and and right, I agree. Right. I agree because I think, and I think that there's a lot of nostalgia in that along with an appreciation for the artistry that uh, in terms of stuff like mm-hmm. the costuming mm-hmm. and the special effects. Do you remember the it. old uh, WPIX like promos for this movie? No, I actually don't. It's like, it's, 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 it's like, like, uh, like, like dude, and they were like, like, uh, the righteous, you know, <laughs> da, 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 you know starring Kyle McLaughlin, uh, um, uh, Patrick Stewart, and Sting, and Sting. <laughs> As, <laughs> um, I, I, um, I, I, what I remember was I do remember the, the getting back to the the idea of that expanded version. Mm. I remember PBS used to love to flog that for um, was that it was the director's cut that they would that they would show. 
it is the it's it's it is the Alan Smithy cut, which has okay, again, right, right, which right, is right. that basically it's like, um, ten thousand years into the into the future. It's over three. <laughs> I want to say it's over three hours with an intermission, like, and has that know. kind of stuff. And they would show it over two mites, and of course they loved it during pledge drives. Yes, it gave yes, them something yes. to do. Um, and they're sort of like for that, our gold members, you will receive yeah, exactly. this tote bag <laughs> this tote. and this umbrella <laughs> and the VHS copy of David Lynch's Dune. <laughs> um, I um. I do have a soft spot for it forever. I, I appreciate what Lynch was going for. I don't think he I don't think he accomplished it. But there's a lot to admire in it. What do Lynch fans say about this movie? I, I think I most of them are they're on Lynch's side. They're they're okay, like because that it's not I'm not a Lynch person, right? I'm <laughs> not a Lynch person either by any stretch of the imagination. So I mean that that's uh, it is because the weirdness of the of the film. It might it did very well maybe that Lynch was always going to be the wrong person to make this story sing because he's he's so off kilter that something that was already off kilter didn't like he could not make it palatable he couldn't make it accessible and I think that's the ult, always going to be the ultimate takeaway <clears throat> from that movie because you, you I want to like it but I am always left. Like, it's cool to look at, but you don't care about Paul's journey or anything that happened. But You're not you really do care about, it. but you do care about the world, uh, like you say, like you know, the world building, and you want to, like, you want to know, you want, yeah, you want to know more about it. But does it give you that, like, right again, and, and which is why right. I think that that expanded version on PBS was because mm. you know, yes, people can complain like, oh, there's this big exposition dump in the mm. beginning, but at least it's something. And gives you context for the furtherness of the world, whereas otherwise it's sink or swim and they don't, and he doesn't really do a lot of like, this is, you know, even stuff that's like mentioned, I think that needs to be maybe brought home more and isn't like they, they, there's a part where Paul's looking at the things, those recordings, and it's like, they mention Mentats, they kind of give them the, the, the human computers. You don't really get a sense of what that is later on in the, throughout the rest of the film. Yes, John. Now, uh, here's a question like last last uh, mm-hmm. podcast. For a guy like me, and, and a guy like I represent so many, so many. Your quadrant, yes. My quadrant of, of fools um, who don't know much about the source material, haven't seen the, the old movie. Just as a standalone movie, is it entertaining? Is it worth spending 15 bucks at the theater? Or 20 now, I don't know how much... It well, the Lynch be. version, we're talking about the 1984 version, okay? Yeah. And I would say anyone who wants to be up on the like classic science fiction and so on and so forth, watch it. Hmm. Um, like you'll, you'll find something to, to... It is... Even the grotesquery stuff, John... Is compelling just in a way of like I can't believe this guy filmed this. Like you, may, you, for all we know, you may like it. Who knows, right? It, you know? it, it may be a thing. I could, I honestly could see him. Uh, uh, you know, as long as someone t- from today wants to grant it that, like, look, this was a non, this was a non Lucas, non Spielberg made science fiction movie from 1984. So even as good as the effects are in it, it ain't Star Wars. No, it ain't Close Encounters. Okay, if you can grant it that. It's wild. It is. It is definitely worth like you know. And the the Lynch and also the Lynch version, the theatrical cut. It's two hours. It is. It is two hours. It's a two yeah, hour right, movie. Yeah. Okay, so it's not even like that big of a like like a of 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 a commitment in terms of mm-hmm. 
of time. It's worth the checkout. And and also, if you like a lot of these, like I said, there are a lot of these actors in it who, you know, Kyle McLaughlin, who, if anyone knows Portlandia, he's been on Portlandia. Um, <clears throat> of course, Patrick Stewart. So there are a lot of these actors in it that, like, went on to do, if you want, let me put it this way. If you, if you need to see Sting <laughs> in leather underwear. <laughs> Just underwear. A little, little cod piece, and that's it. <laughs> this is the movie for you. <laughs> This is the movie for you. And for anyone else out. Oh, by the way, like, so um, I'm just bleeding into going into the, the, the Yes, we're going to take our break right? soon. We're going to take our break soon. Now, Jose Ferrer, I don't know if you know who he is. He is, um, he was mar- once married to, to Audrey Hepburn, right? Jose Ferrer's uh, son is Miguel Ferrer. He's no longer with us, right? But he was in Robocop. Yes. Right? Um, very famous actor. Famous character actor. Whose cousin is George Clooney. Now, if they go, hey, you know, we need to cast the new emperor for the second movie. And you go with George. I don't. I, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. I'm, right. I'm there as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that finishes out uh, uh, Lynch's version. Um, and we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to tackle the 2021 version. More deep, more deep, more deep, more deep, more deep, more deep, more deep. <sighs> Oh, what's the matter, Miguel? Uh, I feel fat, Ed. I feel the same way, too. Oh, you too, John? Yeah. You guys, you both you guys need to get in shape. And a way to go about this is by going with JP Total Fitness. JP Total Fitness? What's that? Well, our pal Jonathan Padilla, friend of the show, runs a Brooklyn-based personal training and remote coaching service committed to leading you becoming stronger and faster. Go to jptotalfitness.com. I love our logo. No, really. I love our logo. The To Be Continued Fanboy Podcast logo was provided to us by friend of the show, Matt Sulkowski, who also runs MSD Studios. And what does Matt do at MSD Studios? He provides positive reinforcement for your brand. Located in Philadelphia, Matt has worked with clients of all sizes and has helped them to focus on designs for campaigns, rebrands, and new brands. Get in touch for your next project, MSD Studios. That's msdstudios.com. Now we're coming to uh, the latest version that has come out of Dune, uh, director of uh, Blade Runner 2021, Sicario, Prisoners, uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 1. And this is very important to, to, to point out because he has divided the first Dune novel uh, into two parts. He sort of uh, gets you to the middle of that book, and then he the second half of that book is going to be part two, which has been greenlit already. Uh, this is a film that had delays because of COVID. This mm-hmm. is a film that has been very, very, very anticipated. Uh, huge not just, cast. Not just, yeah, and, and it's been anticipated not just because of uh that dune has been this sort of like uh fool's dream to you know to capture in all its glory for so many people but Villeneuve is you know he's a hot property among the uh film cognoscenti of the world right now the, the big studios really want this guy they really want this guy he's i i would say he is he has reached already that level of like a christopher nolan has yeah, yeah, yeah. And, his and, name alone, he has his own fan base. His name alone can sell the story. And his name brings in 
high profile performers. People want to work with this guy, so he's gonna get that all star. Now he's currently with Legendary Pictures, and they they're which is their movies are distributed by Warner Brothers, so he's on the Warner Brothers lot, right? You know, and uh, Denis Villeneuve, um, uh, I, you know, a lot has been going on with Warner Brothers, especially if they're. Um, uh, the movies that they've been releasing, Warner Brothers has decided at the beginning of COVID, hey, we're going to uh, not only put it on the theaters, but we're going to put it on, on streaming, you know, uh, which is what they've been doing with Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, you know. Yes. Um, and yet a lot of those have flopped. And a lot of, and uh, it, it has led, it has led movie, uh, movie filmmakers like, uh, like Nolan to go, I'm done. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Warner Brothers. Yeah, well, what is interesting is, however, he is getting he's already guaranteed his second part for this. Yeah, you yeah. know, like like he th- this is it, it's uh but it's a, a simultaneous release for this, right? Uh, they did do, do oh, they did. and here's the funny thing: with a budget of 165 million dollars, they've already made in their box office 303.3 million. So they've made their money back. Ah, wow. uh, no. Remember, you've got to they, they've they've broken even. Okay, fine. But and they're the not even was. close to broking even yet because but, cons- now, but it they have the projections are it will be profitable enough and they're looking more holistically. It's like even if we don't make as much money on this one, we're looking at a series of films to lay the ground the foundation for. So they'll make they want to make their money Dune Part Two. I think it's Children I think it's Dune, serviceable Dune to say that without you and me saying whether we like it or not, it is considered a success. Um, uh, and I, I think I, even that has going again, Ed, we're dealing with the world where COVID and everything else, <clears throat> maybe it's more successful because the assumptions of what it's going to bring are less at hundred. Say, I, I, I will say this much. That's, I will say something interesting. It's funny that I, in all honesty, do you know that the bond movie that just came out costs mm-hmm. more than this? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. I could. I can't believe that because the money is on the screen with uh, with 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 Denny's film here, um, especially with this. Look, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Sarsgaard, Dave Bautista. That's half of like the MCU already. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Zendaya, um, uh, Charlotte Rampling, uh, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem. I mean, it is crazy. It's, it what is. This it cast is a very but. And it is also very much a, a, a similar, a, a mirror a bit to the Lynch film. I mean, you know, yeah, dude, you got Jose Farrar was a big golden age Hollywood name. Yeah. You've got Kyle MacLachlan as an up and comer that no one knew, much like Timothy Chalamet. You, you've got Dean Stockwell again, you know, these people. It's a good cast. And, you know, however, I would say that. And this it, is Miguel speaking. Yeah, I will say, however, that uh, Villeneuve's cast is as perfect of the modern blockbuster. He's, you know, that's the part of him having this rep. He's brought in all of these people for this, like, huge production. Um, and so there's, a, you know, there's there's been a lot. I personally, um, my own story of, of this comes, as I said, not the hugest of Dune guys, but when his film Arrival uh, came out um, a few years back, one of my favorite movies of uh, um, a of, wonderful of that, of the off the year. beaten, you know, a, a big budget and yet off the beaten path kind of science fiction film. I really felt that that movie had the the qualities of like reading sci-fi. If you if you mm-hmm. if if you get my meaning, um, and literally when I was in the theater and Amy Adams is talking to you know g- giant squid aliens mm-hmm. through a wall through a clear wall. 
and I'm looking at the sets and I'm looking at all that. And I said to myself, I, I'm, I've said this on the, on the show before and I'll say it again. In the theater while I'm watching Arrival, I said, well, this guy's got to do Doom. Oh, you said that? Yeah, okay. it, it, it's like you saw that whole scene where she's in the suit and they're mm-hmm. trying to, and they're on the ship, yeah. and you see that set, and you see the conceptualization mm-hmm. of these aliens inside a mist filled mm-hmm. over their own atmosphere, and you're going, this is what the guild navigator scene in Lynch's film would look like today when you watch Arrival. It would okay. be done like that, and it hit me, and the sets are so big and he has he's a very textured filmmaker and that film arrival also arrival was about a big conceptual ideas the idea of the time, time travel time travel circular, just with right, your right. with your within the mind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you have to get to the narrative which is flashing back and forth yeah. through time and then you get the fact that he's also interested in that film in the social effects you know mm-hmm. it's what would happen on Earth? What would the reaction of government and media be realistically to an alien, uh, uh, you know, arrival on Earth? And all of that, I was like, this guy's got to do Doom. This guy's got to do Doom. Uh, and from he went on to do, you know, his Blade Runner sequel, of course. And Dune, which was supposed to come out, now drops into our laps here uh, in the middle of, you know, pandemic times. Uh and it's highly awaited. Uh, he's got, you know, he's got the youngins, all their juices going because Chalamet is a bit of a sex symbol. He's got Zendaya. Um, but yes, he's also bringing in the Batistas. He's also bringing in the Josh Brolins, you know? Uh, and I feel that, like, you know, Villeneuve is in this line of, um, and I was just looking up, I had to remember what uh, District 9 at the time. Well, earlier, I mean, well, that's this, not what it is. Right? This, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is, like, there's this new guard of yes of sci-fi directors, sci-fi filmmakers, who are giving you a modern uh, look of how, and potential, potentially of how big we can make these movies. And yet, right leveraging now. the Technology, CGI right? we have now in enormous ways. I, you know, it is interesting. Both of those. Both of those filmmakers, uh, uh, Villeneuve and um, Blancamp, and Blancamp, they're very textured. Mm-hmm. They're visually. Yeah, I'm gonna get smacked around by a lot of people for this, but I do not give two f's. I'm gonna say this: visually speaking, on many levels, and how they approach films, they're very close to Zack Snyder. To Zack Snyder. Okay, that's fine. Visually, I'm right. not saying okay. as you know everything, but very visually, they are mm-hmm. very. They are masters of making CGI and making these sets and everything else, bringing all those elements together and making a very textured Mm -hmm. world that, you know, from the soundtrack on down, that's what they want to give you the immersive, Mm -hmm. you know, experience with. And this film, Villainous Do, does that in spades because by God, um, I think the best, the best thing I think someone my age could say about this a certain type of science fiction fan is it feels like all of that concept art or, or sort of great concept art you would see when you would flip through Starlog or some big (laughs) encyclopedia of whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's that brought to life Mm -hmm. that scale, um, which was not capable of being done 20 years ago without it having to be like super busy. Like I think, uh, um, 
And again, like this is from my my own experience. Uh, I would have to say every shot is like a painting. Yes, it looks you know, down like a to movie like uh, when when the emperor sends um, um, sends uh, 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 the um, a ship to the, to uh, to Duke Leto and says we're gonna we're gonna give you okay we're, here here you're gonna sign on the dotted line that you're gonna take Arrakis because this is the emperor's decree. And there's this whole um, ceremonial, ceremonial like, thing, and you're like the, the texture of the the texture of the clothes, the palette of the, of of the color palette of the film, um, the way everything is just framed with with um, the costuming, the casting yeah, of what just, these people's faces look like alone. Uh, Villeneuve's visual mastery is fully on display yeah. in this film. And this is and this is not this is nothing new. I mean, um, back to Blade Runner 2049, you know, mm-hmm. which he does the same thing. He plays with these palettes, these color palettes. Um, whether it's the seep, the really heavy brownish sepia tone of certain things, and or do you think they're trying to really pay homage and respect to the original like storyboard uh, book? Well, uh, here's a, do and you that, think that's it's like possible. Maybe why and here's a, here's yeah. I think a really good argument. You know, for those who say, "Oh, Lynch, Lynch's Dune is just complete trash." Well, guess what? If you love this movie, without this movie would not have existed without. Yes, Lynch's Lynch's, Lynch's, Lynch's Dune. Because of what was accomplished or the attempt to to accomplish there, listen, the DNA's there. You yeah. know, it's just un- it's an there un- There is un-arguable. a lot in this movie, which is why I said it, that's why I wanted to do it this mm-hmm. way, that is inevitably going to be compared to the Lynch film because mm-hmm. there are many one-for-one scenes. Now, obviously, you're drawing from the same source material. And, you know, and if you're going to try any sort of fealty to it, you're going to end up doing similar scenes. Gurney, Gurney, but here, they really... Gurney, Paul, practicing. Exactly. Right, you know? That, you know, almost down to the same down dialogue. Down the same dialogue. There's a lot of the same dialogue. You would have joined so, me in death. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, so, um, yeah, I absolutely have to give that. But Villeneuve obviously has, he has access to better technology. Mm-hmm. He, I think he's a better visual story maker for this type of story than Lynch is. You know, um... He, he 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 one of the biggest sense of this film and you know this goes back to what i was saying about arrival mm. he has a real sense of placing characters in very large environments and you don't you you're grounded in being like i'm there it's still big he's not making you a, he's not doing a pov thing he's not showing you right, right, right. paul looking up at something mm. paul is in the frame he is almost to give you scale of how everything is which is i don't think lynch had a very good sense of although a couple there are a couple of those mm. shots like that great hall we were talking the long live yeah, the yeah. fighters mm. that's a great shot from lynch's movie this this version of dune of uh, villanese it's like those sh- that's the only shots in this movie are those big, beautiful, you know, you know, like heat, like there are more of them in this movie than there are to give this film a greater, grander mm-hmm. scale than Lynch's film does. It's not that Lynch, you know, again, it's not terrible special effects. It's not, it's not, they're dated, but at the same time, Villeneuve is a much better at, like you said, making it seem like there's this grand painting that has come to life. Mm-hmm. In every other shot, and at the same time, I feel that there's a certain minimalist to his to, to how the visuals are. You know, like it's not busy, right? Yeah, you're focused on this. Uh, things are very symmetric. Okay, well, let me ask right? you. Let me ask you a question. Would you say that there's a deceit? Because I think that part of that is not necessarily a choice. It is the fact that the environment that most of the movie takes place in. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, you have this. You have this desert rock sand. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're w- within the walls of Arakeen, obviously you you know it's this military mm-hmm. almost base yeah, type yeah. sort of stuff. Um, now compare that to the Caladan scenes, okay. where it is not as it, where it's not as say monochromatic or anything else. Mm-hmm. It's not as it's a different environment. You know, you've got the water, mm-hmm. you've got the blue the nature, sky, and, nature. Yeah. You've got the Atreides castle and how that sort of thing. Would you think that there was a difference between how one looks like like that? In other words, one wasn't busy for the reason that Dracus is not a busy environment. It's mm-hmm. sand, it's yeah. stone, it's the storms. Well, you know? it, it, and, that, and that's, a, that's an interesting thing, right? Like, um, unless it's like... Uh, let's say there, um, uh, Paul is is drawn into the to the meeting with with the Duke's his his people on the table, um, but even the scene like that where you have more than five actors, five players on the on on the screen, even then it still looks very minimal. Like it's not it's not super busy. You take that you juxtapose that to to again Lynch's emperor's uh, throne room where people are just walking back and forth and they're I, having these conversations okay. and you know the sets l- looks very uh you felt it feels the cramped. aspect ratio looks feels very cramped. cramped right here it's the, the 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 aspect ratio is very in the field is just yeah. very long very long shots one camera is just focusing and and uh, this and and the everything is impeccable yeah the costuming mm-hmm. is impeccable the set design is, are, is impeccable. The special effects mm-hmm. are impeccable. The vehicle designs are impeccable. The worms look look absolutely great. And it sounds like he's been, this is something that he's been planning for a long time. He right? sounds as, he seems to have been in love with this book mm-hmm. from a from very young age. Seen, right. um, and has been, you know, this is the dream job. This is the absolute dream. And in terms of how he is, and I think honestly, Villeneuve being a guy, around our age, I feel is similarly very influenced. If you think about the sort of the art that Ralph McQuarrie produced, you know, uh, in the run-up to Star Wars, it's that kind of stuff. And this movie is that brought to life. Mm-hmm. If you've ever liked to, if you like to peruse deviant art and have put in Dune over the past, you know, 20 years and seen <laughs> what's come up, he has brought it to visual life without a doubt along with bringing his um his past filmmaking experiences like he directed sicario right you know um i would not doubt that uh, that that would play into uh yeah. wait did he direct sicario what yes, is, sicario, yeah. yes. yeah so uh, denis i believe he has a um as my best friend would say an obsession with afghanistan right you know like the war the desert war yeah and and having to bring or trying to just Give you the visualization, the visualizations of what that would be like in this universe. Um, the ornithopters, yeah. which they have tried in, in previous uh, uh, attempts, um, whatever that was, that boxy thing that was in Lynch's version, <laughs> right? Yeah, this was just an Apache with wings, you know, and that's just fan- like, well, you, it's a dragonfly, a dragonfly, it's a right? dragonfly helicopter bird. Right. And it's like, okay, all right, that's... Um, now, one of the things that... Um, uh, and I watched it on, at, at home on HBO Max. And with, you know, my... my I forget how many inches my, my 70-something inch TV was. <laughs> I but I have... I... inches my 70-something <laughs> inch TV. But, but, I, but uh, someone said, 
I, I maybe it was John Campia and, and Robert Meyer Burnett's like, no, the audio mixing is just one of the best you've ever heard. Oh, oh, one of the, you know, this is getting into Zimmer. Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, uh, this is for him a passion project, apparently. Mm-hmm. He apparently is someone also highly inspired by Dune, has been a Dune fan. And Zimmer's score is another part of the immersion of this film. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because it's almost like another character. Mm -hmm. It's not just, it is doing the thing that music often does in movies. It's, it's carrying some emotional beats. Um, It's, you know, it's providing that sense of awe or, 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 or whatever, when uh, attention, uh, attention is rising and then it falls, but it is this own sort of like, it is the voice of the movie, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he and it's very different. It's it's not just you know some people have complained about Zimmer's horns in it. Yes, but it also has this um, strongly primal sound to it. Often in, in moments, and it and it and it enhances it enhances so much of this film as you would expect from Hans Zimmer, who is just you know again it's this is part of Villeneuve making like. You know, top it up. Now, is Hans Zimmer Toto and Brian Eno? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not quite the same. Uh, uh, do we get the uh, like his ver- like Hans Zimmer's version of a and then and then the cast members are are just like Doing that, you know, that freeze flame that look freeze at the camera. <laughs> I'd pay for that. I, I would, would pay. I would, you know, I would pay. Jason if that, Momoa. If that was the one thing you would do was like I'm going to do this one thing. I'm going to bring it into the film because I loved it. <laughs> Um, but yes, yes, the, the, the sound design, uh, not just with effects and, you know, what's in the story, but that, that, that soundtrack is, it's, 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 it's rather good. Now, and me and Ed, unfortunately, are at loggerheads because <laughs> I will give this film all- The Righteous! <laughs> the Righteous! There's a Harkonnen among you. Uh... <laughs> I will give this film and Denis all of the plaudits in terms of its visual mastery. It is an insane looking movie. This puts him, um, if, if, if Blade Runner 2049 had not put him in the league of a Nolan, this visually has to, you know, it, it is, it's, if you, if you were awed by Inception, this is the movie for you to go also go see. You will appreciate it. But I have, I think it is two and two hours and 45 minutes of the dullest storytelling you can possibly tell in terms of the acting and in terms of what it is that the movie is supposed to be about. And me and Ed's, we are night and day because I really, I, I was worried as much as I wanted him to do this movie, as I said, when I saw Arrival. I said, I hope he doesn't fall into the trap. Dune needs these characters. You need to connect with them. You can't make them too strange or too dull or too off-putting, which I think was one of Lynch's biggest problems. And I do not believe that Denny solved that problem for this movie. Ed is of a completely different mind, I think. Um, But Again, I am not coming at this from someone who wants to compare it to Dune from the source. I don't care. Taking this film on its own, and I don't even care about it ending abruptly in the middle of the story. I don't care about that. But on its own terms, the performances that it gave me, how I'm supposed to be emotionally involved in this story, 
it's it's I, there's none. There is there is absolutely none. But I don't want to just crap on it, Ed. Why did the performances work for you where they didn't work for me? Well, first off, you know, like ladies and gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> I can't speak for my 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 colleague here, but uh, um, no, listen, I may not be a big city <laughs> s- spice trader. <laughs> Like my friend here, I come from a little planet called Arrakis. <laughs> but yes, now, yes. How do we used to do things back in Caladan? You know, like, well, there's this, uh, anyway, there's, um, so one of the very difficult things uh, with the, with first off, Dune in just generally is, um, and especially with this movie is, how do you watch this having a, how do you watch this in the vacuum right you know we've we've spent a good part of this podcast like talking about david lynch and 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 that's fun uh and even discussing a lot of the themes of of what the original what, novels, yeah, yeah the original novels you know there are really big themes here you know and um religion we we've mentioned this the religion anthropology sociology uh, false prophecy the politics the, you know the stuff that that uh that influences things like game of thrones right um and now you ask like how how do the the performances like not you know like how are they not boring is that what you're is that what you're trying to say or how did not like they're you know? they, they n- nothing in this film none of these characters engage me in the least well and look i mean the, for, and the performances that weren't just there were too strange and off-putting again just like you know i really honestly feel it just repeated the the, the mistakes that that lynch's film had i just i first watched um i first uh my first experience with timothy chalamet was um um uh this netflix movie called the king right where he plays a young um henry the eighth and i loved him in it you know he just seems to be one of those young up-and-coming actors who's just really talented at what they're doing and his paul here which i think um Playing a playing a a, a, a a prince of nobility that's just unsure of 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 where he's going. I mean, not even realizing that um, he's to be some sort of messiah like figure, and you know, just unsure of where, of, of of where things are going on. Guess what? You know, his everything about his life has just been turned upside down. You know, like and the kind of the expressions or. I don't know. Maybe it's the 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 sort of minimal expressions that the, like. Or let, let me ask you what 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 is the opposite of 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 these sort of performances that you're that you would look to? The, what is the measure of it? I want okay. The film does not give you any sense of his personality beyond that boilerplate of obvious. Oh, he's a young guy. He has a little conversation where they let you know. And that's a fine conversation that he has with Oscar Isaac, his father. And it's a moment of real human connection mm-hmm. and human insight. But there's not a lot of it in this movie. I do not know who Paul is. Is Paul just a naive naif who's been, whose life has been turned upside down? Does he, he's supposed to be, you know, again, right, again right, taking right, the film right. on its own terms. Right. We are not shown it, but is. But, I, but he, in my opinion, he, I'm I, saying is that he is this bland cipher. 
and that's where throughout this all of the movie, I don't get any sense of you, anything what you from do, him. What you are given, though, is that okay. Here is someone who's been groomed to um, for something, and uh, um, not just by his father, but by his mother, and then the mother being a a, a Benny Jesuit. Um, like there's a lot, there's a lot of pressure going on here. Right. right okay. Now. Okay. Again. So, and I feel that the performances do uh, for me the performances. He, do come again, through. we. I feel that he is minimalist with doesn't give me anything, so I don't get a sense of who Paul is as a person before he leaves Arrakis, mm-hmm. and then there is so much time with these silly visions, where well, that which that, almost never play into what we're seeing. They're just done. And to that, be that done. is one thing that they. Um, and they Lynch does it a bit. The prescience, the prescient yeah, nature Lynch, of Lynch, who, Lynch, Lynch of who has Paul him is. has him be uncomfortable in some dreams mm-hmm. and and but But they don't take up that much time. No one ever said Lynch's film has seven moments where Paul has some sort of vision. Here, a large chunk of time for a two-hour and forty-five-minute film. Ha- there must be at least a so minimum there, there are 10, these, 12 minutes of these visions. So there are these visions and some characters who, like, the, I forget, the, what's his name? Jamis appears. Jamis, right, appears in it. Who most, is already, who's, who, who, ends up, who ends up killing And by fight. the way, most, but, but however, most of those visions are, the majority of them are just Zendaya in the sand. The majority of them are just, I'm seeing the planet, I'm hallucinating, speaking to a mouse, None of these things play into this movie, and even if they play but that's, into the that next is enough, movie, that's I. And for me, it's enough. What did they? Add? For me, it's enough to 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 give me um, this i this notion that okay, he's able to see uh, not well. Uh, he's able to see into the future, but and I I saw something. I uh, saw YouTube that that was just had an insight about this. It's maybe a multiverse. You know, like he has the ability to see different. Different outcomes, yes. outcomes of a future, and that right? and Ed that will play into the fact that his prescience is an absolute. If they follow the books again, that's I think it's hard to. It's, I don't want to judge this by what it does or does not do with the books, but him pos, his his prescience being wrong mm-hmm. does play into it. There is there is a, a apparently there's a portion in the story that's to come in in the second half of the book where the. The path that they're on that will set the Fremen on a universal-wide jihad that he will not be able to control. There was a, He knows that there's a moment that he could have stopped it, apparently. But he didn't know what to do. And he was like, he knew that as he, there was this moment, it came and went. And went after it was done, he looked back at it and he says, I still don't know what it was I was supposed to. So the idea, such as the fact that we see Jamis in a vision mm-hmm. and then he kills him, even though in the vision Jamis is telling him all this mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi, I will teach you the ways of the desert stuff. All right. That, at that moment, we hadn't even met Jamis. He was just in that vision. And that played into a use the force moment of, you know, how is how are, how are Paul and Jessica going to get out of this? Oh, you must just go with the flow, Paul. And okay, there's a direct link from that vision in that exact same scene of what he's going to do. I see a cause and effect. This is what happened. All the other visions, I don't know what they mean. I don't know how they affect Paul. I don't know what they're supposed to add to the story. I don't know anything because 
This is the other very big. It, it makes you feel confused, right? Not it's, just confused. Again, I'm not. No, here's the other problem. I'm not confused, Ed, because I know this story inside and out. I literally know the subtext and things. Well, wait, wait, wait. I know the things that are going to come to the future for these characters. So it's not a question of me being confused about things. However, if I did not know anything about Dune, you better believe I'd be. Well, I'd the be one confused. thing we we we're not really. I this this I'll I'll admit it's um we're not quite sure. This is one half of it, right? How will how will Denis conclude this? Tale, right? And he, from his from from his perspective, right? And and having and that, to do and that it, is, and then you know, having to do it also with having to feel because Ed be like, does he is he going is he going to establish this or uh, this? Hey, you know, uh, yeah, he's he's been Laden, you know, he's he's to to us to a civilization, which, okay, right? Let me get to that. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. In maybe being so slavish to the book. I hear defenses of people saying, well, you didn't like Chalamet's performance. Well, 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 Paul is supposed to be kind of a blank slate, but well, maybe that's something that he needed to rethink. Maybe Paul needs more of a personality or a perspective or something. The simple fact that this is supposed to be a story that turns the hero's journey thing on its end, Mm -hmm. turns the messianic thing, that should have maybe been threaded here. That would have at least been something. Give me a Paul who, before he's exiled with his mother, Mm -hmm. we see he's a dude that can play the angles. Show me a guy who is like, he's not grown into himself yet, he's still the callow youth, but show me a guy that is like, oh, he's a little more aware of things than we know. But, but he's I, a little, he's yeah. not just being led around. I mean, I see what you're saying. Or how yeah. about also, this is another aspect of it. You know, we, you know, I'm not lost of what's going on. However, Ed, do you really get a sense that, you know, the film, just on the Messiah stuff, mm-hmm. well... There is no Messiah, Ed, in their story. That is just BS that is put into various cultures so that the Bene Gesserit can benefit. So that if one of them, like Jessica and her son, are in a situation where it's life and death, they can pull out this, ah ha we, we may we may be the Messiahs of your culture, well, now, so don't kill us, all right? I, does, do you get any sense of who or what the Bene Gesserit are in this film? I do not say that you get a sense no, of... No, but, but... What you, is the religion of this movie, Ed? What is the religion of the Fremen? <laughs> oh, a real debate I'm here. saying, I, I, because this is the thing. The film is two hours and 45 minutes long, John. I do not care what anyone says. It had the time to answer these questions, to develop these aspects of their characters, and it does not. These characters uh, are all, to a very large degree, except for one, and I'll get back to, I'm going to get to her, are very dull and unengaging. But does, uh, I couldn't help but uh, overhear that possibly the movie ends in the middle, right? Yes, and yeah. of so course that it... means that arcs aren't completed right, and right, stuff right. is yet to be revealed. But Could even on argue, its own term... But even if you hate it, even if you don't like the style of storytelling mm-hmm. they're doing, but could you argue that they did it this way for the part two? Right. For all I the don't, answers to come But see, that's two. the thing is I still don't think, John, that that is a very good excuse... Strategy. For having your characters be this dull and uninteresting, as well as not letting you know maybe what larger themes are or explaining certain things, especially once you've got two hours and 45 minutes. Right. It's a long it's a long time. They had the he more and his was his choice. He had final cut. His choice was to do two hours and 45 minutes where everything the biggest word I will use for this movie when you take away 
how beautiful the visuals are is opaque. Now, Everything here, here, here. is really he, opaque. He, it's it's very fair. Yeah, he can meaning like he can. It's listen. You're, I respect your opinion. I really do. But like, but John, but I have to say, John. <laughs> after finishing, after finishing, after finishing, and I and I've watched maybe two, uh, one and a half times. You know, um, the first time in its entirety, and then the, the second time I was just a little dri- drips and drive, dry drabs. Um, I came out of it and I said, I think I watched the most important film of the like like wow. movie, or much less as a, uh, within the genre too. Wow, you guys really have opposing opinions. on No, this but the film, thing is, yeah. I don't think like our, I don't think we're really fighting each other on no, this. No, no, but you I know? mean, you guys truly have a different uh, difference of opinion. And but you know what? What else is revealing? You said you mentioned that uh, Anna Marie. Uh, Anna watched Marie, it twice watched in a row. Well, that's five hours of her life. So I'm assuming, I, <laughs> I'm assuming she really likes the. But movie. see, there's the thing. Yeah. I watched it twice too, John. Oh, you did. Yeah, I watched it the first time, and then I had to watch it the second time to like clarify my thoughts. And that is part of you know there is a part of me that I'm not going to deny. There is a sort of like antipathy based on its length and the fact that I wanted to like this movie. I want everything that is in it. I find interesting. It, the ideas are great. The setting is great. I felt the that whole the, idea of the sci-fi that, world that's we're still using swords. And I felt martial that the, arts are the, the treatment All that on, is great. The, the treatment of the mythology, like I think Denis, like really nails it. Right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Ed, let me ask you because I'm kind of refereeing now because we really heard a lot from Miguel about what he didn't like. What what about the movie really worked exceptionally well for you, Ed? Again, the the imagery, the storytelling with the imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed, but see, Ed, no, you're, I, you're 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 giving it a lot of credit, saying and and film is visual, so and we we said sounds. he goes all out. It is an enrapturing experience in the sense of anytime you're going into a movie, well, again, again, yeah, it brings you, that does bring the treatment the of that within the uh, and and then bring trying to bring this mythology into this into this treatment and this this large vision. It's like it's just it's completely amazing. I like I was just completely blown away uh, with it. Uh, can we get into something maybe that maybe you and I can see at die? Which is martial arts. Yes and no, but see, that's another part of this movie so that is that is that is disappointing. Really? Because again, Ed, Ed, suddenly she has she's a weirding woman. Okay, well, <laughs> since you didn't show us any of the weirding way of the Benny Jesuit before this point. I have nothing, you know. You well, would, that's something that to be I know saved until the, the part two, you I know. know. That's, again, Ed, that's right. the sort of thing. But no, oh, this is going to be listen. in part two. Ed, given that the second half of the story is about, okay, because the movie, the movie ends on the point where Paul and his mother, the father is dead. They've been overrun from their fiefdom, right? Their enemies have taken over again. And now, very, this is, in, and Ed, John, if you think that this sounds like a religious story, there it is. You know, the uh, I have been chased from my proper place and out into the desert. He will go into the desert and he will find his followers who then he will build up into an army. It also sounds like Star Wars. Yeah, it has, it has a lot, you know, Iguana, which with both well, that's the stuff is, is yeah, based on. Yeah. So, you know, the second part of that film or that story is going to be, is naturally more action-packed. It is Paul and his mother learning the ways of the Fremen uh, slowly but surely becoming this thorn in the in the Harkonnens and the Emperor's side, and then they the revelation that Paul is Moadib, and now holy crap, we have he has a holy a 
cadre of holy warriors that is putting at jeopardy the entirety of this empire because if Paul well, can bring on. the spice to a halt. Well, now, well, now you're bringing in like the second part into it. Right, right? and you that's know? what I'm saying. With all of that to cover, Paul and his mother living among the Bene Gesserit, mm-hmm. his romance with Chani, which plus on top right? of okay, okay. all of the other all right. machinations and things right. we have yet to see. Ed, there's all of the stuff that should have been covered in this part one. That suddenly, on top of all of that, they're going to have to give us the stuff that they didn't give us here. I don't know. I believe if he's he gonna will. Be able you to, know, like, in the, but, but, uh, what, but hold on. But, I'm, but I'm saying, I think that the problem here is that I think he is. You're giving him a lot of credit for being the visual filmmaker in this, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that does the detriment to the story. He thinks that he's getting these things across with the visuals, you know, and and this, the overall production, right? It's not even just visuals. Mm. It's his production, production design. The music is part of it. It's not just visuals. And saying, having that do the heavy lifting, and then just like, okay, these performances the will carry. And the but the like, characters and the performances I, again, I, I, are... I, I, I completely disagree with that. Kind of, I completely disagree. Do you think the characters and the plot was, was well uh, told? Well, from, from a part one? For a part one? From part one where the, the things are just kind of building up. Like, again, I, I left having just not only just feeling really fulfilled, but I was just completely blown away. Um, but again, what I was getting at was mm. the first thing that I came out and I, and uh, that I sensed uh, the message that I sent to Miguel was, oh my God, they completely went Filipino martial arts <laughs> and, 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 uh, it isn't an, because the John, that is an interesting aspect of this universe. Mm-hmm. Again, the idea that like the, the emperor has this world where he basically just like farms out warriors because it's just so harsh, but because this is a world where. It's not about laser guns and lightsabers. It is literally we have the the shield technology again. Herbert going like, "What's the next obvious the, the next logical conclusion?" So it's like, "Oh, if you could come up with a shield, weapons. we're going to go hand to hand on if, this." If, we, if, if there is no way that you I can hit you with a phaser or a laser, we're going to have to start learning martial arts again. And that also dovetails into his whole thing about. We don't have technology. We don't have robots. We don't have this. So watching Jason Momoa perform the salute the salute that miguel and i learned been doing for years in the filipino martial arts yes and and the fact that our filipino martial arts that we learn has a strong islamic component to it yes indonesian filipino martial arts from the southeast asia is in fact they they the weapon of the fremen is the chris knife which you and i have you know (laughs) so yeah that's what and so yes at that do i like that do i think it was particularly well shown in this movie no, again, because they don't get in it. Ed, no, 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 wait, 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 Ed, 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 who is Duncan Idaho? He is a sword master of geese. Do you, do you, did they yeah, tell, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, did they tell yeah, you what right. that is in the movie? What makes him special? Go look at the glossary of the uh, This of, of is the what I'm saying. <laughs> There's all of this stuff that is like, instead of giving us that, how about giving us a little of that? How, oh, how about this, Ed? How about in order to make emotional connections and things for this film let us abandon fealty to the book wait 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 wait, well that's the thing i mean emotional connection let let us instead make something where this film didn't have to start where it did maybe this film could have started with duncan idaho with the fremen and then he returns back to and that's our into the film there's no personalization and 
not without personalization, there's also no exploration of who these other people are. Now, like I, I, I said, I, I, we don't know. Ed, let me ask you a question. In this film, on its own terms, mm-hmm. why are the Fremen angry at the Harkonnens? Colonization. No, no okay, Colon- yeah, col- yeah, again, col- Ed, they live... Ed, they were they live, I think, and I they think, live in and, and caves think, in the middle and, of the and desert. I think that's they never with, interacted with anyone. I think that's the, what does the film show? I think that's of what, part what of happens the, to part the. Of, part, let me speak. Okay, okay. So <laughs> part of the the, the 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 visualization and the experience that you get is you're, you're a lot of, you're taken back to a lot of the uh, the the analog, right? You know, like what's the analog to this, right? Um, uh, American troops being in Afghanistan, right? Okay, we get that. Okay. Occupation. Occupation. Right. Like stuff okay. that just... All right. Uh, yeah, but, my uh, modernity just right, sort of right. just... But, but okay, so I'm going to give you a scene that was cut, the Villeneuve cut from the film. Before they meet Stilgar in the in, in Rakeen, Gurney and Leto look over a box that has been left for, for them by the Baron. They open the box. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's inside the box? I forget what's in, what, was in this, what was inside the box. Fingers of the Fremen that they've cut off. Okay, right, right. And it, this contrast, obviously one is mm-hmm. Gurney and Leto are aghast that this is what the Harkonnens are doing to these people on this planet. Obviously it would set up Gurney and Leto, especially as the new leader, is not going to be that way. And it puts, it, at least there is one example where I go, oh yeah, that's why the Fremen should be pissed off. That logical makes sense to me and is visceral. I get that. That is real. Whereas the, me- that was, the, that but the movie enough. as it is, it starts off with, we see Chani and her people fighting against the Harkonnen. But okay, again, since we don't know anything about the Fremen, you say colonization. Okay, I don't, I don't, we don't know. They don't show us. I can see how about this? But, wait, wait. But you, how about this? You, how about we get this, this as, mo- as as modern people, though? Well, I mean, no, we're, no, we're, Ed, not, we're not Ed, idiots. How can you have a story of colonization where the people who are colonized barely appear. Their story is not being told in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and we don't know what their problem is with this government. You say colonization, but we're not shown. Are they being thrown off their lands? Do they, is this a religious or, thing? Another, do they hate the, is spice harvesting me, against their, I no, don't no, no, know. Let me sum up what's going I, on I here. do because Javier Bardem walks in and he straight up tells, uh, he gives us, he gives us that information. And he says, well, listen, we've been, we've been through this before. Uh, Javier Bardem is a leader of, of, of the Fremen, right? He's a leader of the Fremen, right? And he walks, he just marches right in, right, right into the Duke's um, um, table and uh, because there, there's your meeting right there, and he says, "Listen, we've been through this. We've we've seen rulers like you before come and go for thousands for of thousands years. of years, and this is nothing new to us. Yeah. All right, um, but we're here to stay. This is who we are, you know. And uh, it's like, what can you offer? Right, and, right? and, and there's and, that right. But again, what is what is you say, Colin, or whatever? What is specifically happening? Are they?" Are they converting them against their religion? Are well, they no, taking but, their children? But, and, then, from them? and then the interaction the that, that happened, the interaction you get from from Javier Bardem and Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, who you know you're, you're, you're sort of given the character that you're that you're being given is he's an honorable man, Lido lead, the Just. I I think that's what that that's what he's being called. That's right, what PR know? people say. Yes, that's what PR people say. And it's like, listen, we're you know we we want we we want your respect. And I will you know, tell you that that is one of the better a, scenes for me in the film. Javier Bardem Stilgar 
is a breath of fresh air in that scene. Suddenly that was, was like, oh, this is the Game of Thrones in space I was promised. Okay? But it's a very, very short scene. You that, have to that, admit, that, Stilgar comes in and then he goes out. Like you said, it's supposed to be about, oh, here's what the Fremen are. We're supposed to get a little taste of them and well, sort of what their culture I asked you a question, which was basically like, how do how do, I'm Because I'm going to um, compare this movie uh, to Lord of the Rings, right? And you said that you were... Not you're, you've never been a Lord of the Rings. I I I get why they're popular. They don't mm. speak to me, and um, I again I will no. say this. Okay, I will say this. If I have to compare Fellowship of the Rings to this movie, this movie very much pales in comparison. And I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy. No. Lord of the Rings gets you involved with the characters, makes them sympathetic. It has a lot of fun. It engages you. It gives you enough of the lore to put many things into context. Never... It accomplishes what I feel this movie doesn't come close to, despite the fact that both of them are amazingly produced. Like they're good looking. The production is great. They're the e- they're equals. But you 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 feel it when Gandalf leaves them. You feel things about the characters in Lord of the Rings, where this is no pun intended, incredibly dry. <laughs> <laughs> and John, you were about to say. Well, I had many many things I wanted to interject, but uh, but as as referee, now we can. We're this... not in. The, we're not no, really know, having an argument here. No, I mean, I you know, yeah, it's you're just having like... an argument about a movie. It's not a real friendship. Argument. You're not roughing uh, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, with that said, how do you, visuals aside, how does it compare to the intro of A New Hope, of a movie like A New Hope versus this first Dune installment? I think, again, if I, I'm sorry, Ed, Lucas does a much better job of giving you the con. Of course, you have to also understand the differences of what those two type of movies are. Star Wars is, is, wants to be much more crowd-pleasing. You know, well, it's not Dune that, is much not... more like historical. It's not action. If you went to this movie thinking you're going to see a movie like Star Wars, it's not. It's not an action film. It's a it's a story of well, politics first, and, and, and it's also the, and that kind of the I think the narratives are very different, right? You know, Lucas is uh, his camera follows along like a Kurosawa, yeah, like you know, like scene for scene, Kurosawa, World War Two, uh, old World War Two footage. Yeah, you know they're very different, and this is a very different. I will admit, it's a very different movie, right, right, right. but it's a very beautiful. Right, right. It is stunning. Ab- movie, it is absolutely is worth gonna... it to watch for the visuals. I would not tell anyone not to see this film, right, and especially if, if you, you are, are if you are if you're a potential filmmaker, this will change your life. I'm not joking. Ed, this is the kind of thing that will change now, your life. The same question I asked about the the first movie uh, that came out in '84. I, I ask you then, Miguel. Uh, a guy my age who doesn't really know. Okay. Uh, the history, my, the lore. Yeah. Is it worth my fifteen bucks to go see this movie? Um, in, the, in the big screen. I think, especially John, the 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 sound design stuff. You would you you dig just to hear what they well, did. Here's the yeah. funny thing. You know, you know, like in in the five years that we've been doing this. By the way, we're coming along to our hundredth episode. No way. On TBC, I think this is we're two episodes away from being being the hundredth episode. Uh, in the five years that we've been doing this, I still am not sure what you're really into aside from <laughs> aside from the Beatles. I really don't. <laughs> and Dragon Ball Z. You know? Okay, Dragon Ball Z and Beatles. That's pretty uh, but like I know yes. because the office. The office. And the office. But the thing is it's like I don't like um I don't know if you're really into big themes. 
Uh, in terms of the stuff that you consume, Joseph Campbell. Um, yeah, you know, like I don't know if you're into that stuff. Dune you know? is uh, Dune is ultimately, as you get deeper into it, seems to be about a lot of big ideas. Mm-hmm. And if that, if the 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 characters and the plots kind of like revolving around that, because like I said, as it goes on, it's like if you watch this first part. And if you've seen any kind of movie from the last mm-hmm. 30, 40 years, your assumption is going to be, oh, this is going to be the story of how this guy yeah. becomes the Luke Skywalker hero. And it's like, no, it's actually uh, going further to what Dune's influence is. If you look at what Lucas was going on with uh, doing with Luke and his father, Anakin and Luke, right? right. It's Leto and Paul mm-hmm. also to a very large yeah, degree. Yeah, the yeah. Similar things. Also with prophecies that turn out to not be what they're supposed mm. to be. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing, Anakin. Yeah. You're supposed to be balanced as force. What does that exactly mean? Should and they have ever believed in that prophecy to begin with? On and on and on and on and on. The the son being able to fulfill the, the, the hero's the journey, not, which is yeah. something that, I mean, you and I, as as consumer of consumers of, of, of the stuff, we, we really gravitate towards the hero's journey. And, I, and again, I don't, like you mentioned Dragon Ball Z, I'm sure there's a jur- there's a hero's journey thing going on there. Hey, I like Batman. Okay, <laughs> right, right, but but it is it uh, is it's like it seems to have that form. But ultimately, as the story progresses, you mm. realize it's not that you're not to, like. There's a moment in the movie that is sums up like what it should get across to the audience, I think. I I'm not sure it does. Rich. Where, where... No, no, wait, wait, wait. Well, he's, like, he's serious, like, no, listen. I'm, listen, crisis, I'm like, what do I like, like, Jesus God. There's a, there's a, there's a portion in Every, the... Well, first, 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 everyone's different. Beach everyone, boys. everyone... Like the Beach Boys. Everyone yeah. is, like, takes this, I takes these ideas, and, and we go, oh, this is like... I know. think, John, that if you ever found, if you enjoyed Game of Thrones... Yeah. And I mean, really, not just like in a, if you enjoyed Game of Thrones, Dune will be up your alley. It will contain a lot of the same things. It will contain a lot of the same depths. Um, and, and we're talking about like, not just the movie. We're talking about like the books. The, and, franchise, the franchise in and franchise of itself. It, yeah. um, and for this movie, again, if you want to watch something that is impeccably done film-wise, I will not, I'm never going to tell anybody, I just myself can't. I don't think the movie sings. I don't think the characters sing. I will be honestly very interested, and this will be the last thing before we cut. I am going to be interested because even though it has gotten a guaranteed for its part two, I do think that we're going to see how that works out. Exactly. And I think we'll leave it at that. Um, hey, man. I mean, if, again, like Miguel actually said it. Because you're an audio engineer, right? Uh, he's still going out like I'm into Sunny. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I think Power the, Rangers. I think this is a mu- I think this is a must see. I mean, you really do. King of the Hill. You should you should get you should give it some 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 time and really you know just just sit and back. I, and and I would suggest seeing it under the best circumstances, which is go to go to an IMAX. If IMAX you have that. Sorry. Oh, because it, again, it is that visually impressive, but. We we're not going to solve uh, we're going to have to solve that uh, the conundrum of this film here. Uh, I don't know what we have planned next uh, coming up on the show, uh, but we, it's we gonna... should be talking Eternals. I have I have, <laughs> I have a surgery coming up, so now they'll, they'll put yeah. me like you know in recovery. We're going to for... be out for uh, we may be out. A we'll figure we'll, something out. We'll, we'll we'll try and figure. We want to thank everyone for spending their time here. This is a you know we went long, but. 
Keep on. Dune is a it's huge. An epic. It's an epic. Dune is Dune is uh, is is huge. It's big. It's gigantic within the pop culture of uh, fanboys, and I, it's worth discussing. It's worth talking about. Uh, without a doubt, and if this has been the successful launch of a franchise, then it's going to probably be something we will be talking about in the future at some point. So I want to thank everybody for listening. As always, we are happy to have been using the facilities of one Jonathan Vergara here at Pancake Studios. Thank you, sir. Uh, Until next time, I bless the rain down around. I bless the rain. I bless the rain down around. I bless the rain. I bless the rain down around. That is do 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 The Fanboy Podcast. Please check us out at www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast.com. You can also be found on Twitter, Facebook, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. 